Citizens of Earth, welcome to Forum Borealis. Today we have another episode in our series called Between Adam and Eve, exploring different tips, advices and attitudes to preserve and enhance sex and relationships. And we'll even discuss the so-called mandala effect. It may sound like a girl's show, but guys, we're constantly pitching advices also from our perspective. My partner in this crime is a colleague of sorts, going under the nickname Rachel Pigtail Girl, co-host of the Time Chronicles podcast and host of YouTube channel The Pursuit of Happiness, where she offers her own take on various matters ranging from politics and current affairs to spirituality and self-help. Between us, we offer opinions, analysis and experience in order to determine what principles and values are worth holding on to and pursue further to nurse your romantic relationships with the occasional tantric twist. But first, a few words about my guest. Already at the age of five, Rachel had a minor awakening, becoming the impetus for a lifelong inner questioning and a burning desire to understand life, reality and everything within it. At age seven, she was told she would be in a wheelchair by the time she was 21, due to a serious spinal condition known as scoliosis. But she refused to let that happen and instead became a professional dancer. Her working career has mostly been in the entertainment industry. She was Angel in the world-renowned dance known as Cabaret of Angels. She has DJed at London's top nightclubs under the artist name Little Miss Mixit and won two DJ competitions in UK and was even acknowledged by KISS FM to be London's hottest female DJ. She also released three chart-topping dance tracks under the name Electra Cute and as a part of the dance act Restless. She has also worked five years as an erotic dancer, even doing full striptease. Being naturally creative, Rachel got her education from Italy Conti Stage School, one of London's top prestigious performing arts schools. Subsequently, she moved on to work within showbiz. However, already as a child, she had glimpses of how depraved that industry is, so eventually she grew tired of it. Instead, she followed her own quest and spent 25 years learning to heal herself naturally and became her own doctor. Having battled suicidal tendencies until young adulthood and being hypersensitive forced her to understand people, trauma, relationships and the way the world works, which eventually made her realize she's a so-called intuitive empath. 
This changed her life dramatically and with the tools to filter out overwhelming impressions she could embark upon her life quest. Already around 17 she left home, traveled the world and studied and practiced various systems of spiritual refinement like shamanism, kundalini yoga, meditation, paganism, shineosology, EFT, the emotion code and body talk. She also became a Reiki master but outgrew it as a system. Her kundalini activation began in her early 30s whilst traveling as a DJ and singer in Asia. She worked as a healer in remote areas of Indonesia, bringing relief to locals where no doctor or medicine man lived. She studied herbs and energy work in Thailand and China and uses her knowledge to create tinctures that has a profound and deeply curative effect on the mind-body complex. She also practiced Tantra, especially through dance, song and art. Her daily practice is based upon the five Tibetans and Pranayama. She met several masters on her journey that she learned from, in addition to her own inner teacher. However, her testimony of knowledge and experience is herself having overcome numerous disorders such as depression, hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, heart disease, infertility, arthritis, food allergies, poor eyesight, sexual dysfunction and immune dysfunction. As a spiritual anarchist, her primary goal is fighting for our birthright to be autonomous and sovereign. She is largely focused on helping others heal familiar trauma passed down generations and uses different modalities mixed with her innate intuitive skills. She believes removing trauma is key to transforming this reality and gaining optimal health. Her prime modus operandi is to offer advice, creativity and practical help via her YouTube channel as well as her website where she offers one-on-one personal coaching, healing, information, tincture and good old-fashioned fun. She currently resides in Barcelona where she, apart from her day job as a professional podcast editor due to her education as a sound engineer, offers local women private lessons to unlock their inner goddess via sacred erotic Welcome back to Forum Borealis, Rachel. Oh, thank you for having me again. Yes, uh, I was um, pleased the last time, although I did talk a lot. I told myself not to <laughs> talk this much this time. But I was so pleased of all the stuff we went through. And uh, like I said last time, we have this series on uh, relationships sex, polarity, stuff like that. So I figure you'd be a great guest for that too. Yeah, well, I'm happy to talk about uh, relationships because I think it's one of the most important parts of the human experience really, isn't it? Is that that relationship and to be married or to be coupled to someone or part of a family, there's no real bigger responsibility that one can have really because you're in someone's environment and everything you do is going to affect those people, right? So Mm. we have to be conscious about the way we live, especially in our relationships. Yeah, I'm into that, especially if you are in a relationship. But the irony is that 
You know, this COVID thing, as far as I see it, on a psychological basis, collectively speaking, it has had one positive and one negative change. Mm. Uh, the positive change is that people get, you know, more time to chill, to stop the, the rat race they were trapped in, mm-hmm. and uh, also touch base with what's important in life, get a better perspective, especially in the West in modern times. We've lost, it's not like our grandparents who knew the war, right? They knew mm-hmm. values, they knew life and death. But we've been alienated from these realities of life. Now it's kind of back. And I think that's a healthy thing, although, of course, it can become neurosis and fear. But it's healthy to have that death perspective. But the negative is to do with what we're talking about, relationships. Now people want, you know, they won't be close to each other. They won't touch each other. I wonder what this will do with the French, uh, you know, they, they kiss all the time down there, <laughs> even with strangers, you know. Well, so, so that's interesting. Uh, how that will impact us for the unforeseeable future? Yes, indeed. And I've actually been wondering how people who are still in the dating phases during lockdown have even been coping. You know, with not being able to physically see the person that you're having a relationship with, it starts to become like a long distance mm. relationship. Even though you might just live ten doors up the road. <laughs> Just yeah. sort of waving to each other from a window. Um, but then when you really get into the truth of what makes a good relationship, yes, the physical part, of course, is very important. But the the real basis of any deep and lasting relationship is intimacy. Mm. And we can choose intimacy in many areas of our life. And um, one of the most important things, I think, personally, in a relationship and um in my own life, in my own relationships, the thing that I think has always helped me keep it going, keep it on track, um, has been just honest and open communication as a form of intimacy. You know, that uh, kind, constant and honest communication where you have a willingness to work through difficulties, to enjoy and celebrate, you know, and congratulate on the highs, to be there during the lows Mm. and to be aware that every part of the relationship is building that intimacy for you so that when you do get to the the more physical fun parts in the bedroom area you know the intimacy will be there so you'll be able to enjoy your sexuality on a deeper level with each other and and not just be you know having tired angry sex with each other because (laughs) you you haven't spoken about the issues that you've had during that week and you're just now having it as a stress relief and you're not really connecting you know you're not fully present for the other person and actually during this time of of covid lockdown um i'm hoping if you haven't gone the opposite way and you've just gone into sort of shouting matches or silently ignoring each other or you know (laughs) just uh, arguing about the past non-stop that if you were smart you would be finding new ways to develop that intimacy and having fun on skype you know um finding ways to spice up your life and keep the connection strong um because i think that's really the basis of any great relationship whether it be with children whether it be with family members uh you know just in general to be kind constant and honest in Mm. your communication it's funny 
I talked with a, a friend of mine. He's um, been, uh, he, he just became single right before the COVID thing, I guess in December or something. And he his plan was to date all uh, spring. <laughs> and I said to him, I, th- I think this was in May last month or something. I said, oh, this must have really crushed your dating life. He said, no, no, it's the opposite. <laughs> it's never been easier dating. I said, what, what? <laughs> yes, because here's the thing. If it was normal conditions, girls would be more mm-hmm. uh, on their back feet. But now that people are panicking, oh, we can lose a job, we can lose our lives. But on the other hand, I have to sit alone at home in isolation. No girls in Norway lives with their parents. Everybody moves. Uh, I guess that doesn't apply to the whole world, but here it does. And well, so they nice. sit there. Mm. Yeah, well, they sit there in their rotten studios all alone, right? All dressed up and nowhere to go. <laughs> and that makes them much more contact-seeking mm-hmm. for dating. And people were dating all, all the time. Even though they couldn't go out, they could go to each other, right? Yep. So guys were scoring big time, <laughs> left <laughs> and right. But back to the thing you said about relate. Yes, honesty, so important. But the problem, of course, with that is that most people are conditioned not to be honest. Mm -hmm. And even if they were deadly honest, like I am in my relationships, you'll notice that there's a lot of people who can't handle it. They don't really want it. Yes, in party speeches, we always revere honesty, sincerity. But in real life, it's not that popular. The ancient Egyptian goddess Maat, for truth, she's not really that wanted in our current world. Definitely, definitely. So, so it has to be people who can handle it. But I want to ask you this, Rachel. What would you say are the three, and just pull it out of your pine, What's the three most important factors uh, for a relationship to thrive, to preserve harmony? Mm -hmm. Well, first things first, you've got to understand that uh, a relationship is going to be a mirror. So you've got got to think, what do I want to see back is, is what you've got to put out. So you've got to think about the things that, yeah, like honesty, a willingness to work through difficulties. This is really important. Both of you have got to be willing to make compromises and to be able to work through difficulties in a way that you're not just shouting at each other to get low blows or to come out on top, but that you've got to find a way and a willingness to work through difficulties. This is never going to be just smooth sailing the whole way through. And that's where, that's kind of connected to the honesty. So you have Mm. to have that. Um, I think number two, you've really also got to learn to have a sense of fun and humor to lighten the the space up. You know, we, we have so much stress in the world and relationships after a while, once the initial high of the sex or, or whatever the infatuation has worn down, you know, you've got that stress of life that comes back, you know, that everyday grinds and that stuff. So being able to really laugh together, have fun together and remembering to make space to play and do that stuff that lifts your heart and lightens you. I think that's also really important. And number three, the, it seems so obvious to say it, but it's about the heart connection. You've got to be consciously trying to keep the heart connection open because I truly believe that all relationships that start failing, it's because the hearts disconnect due to some miscommunications 
resentments, uh, bad feelings, whatever. It's all about... Is Ho hold on. Yes, many, many relationships, but there are those where the physical connection is the root cause. Yeah, but if the if you've got to have the heart to have that good physical relationship. Yeah, for girls, not, but but for men, it's not necessary. Um, and I, of course, I'm not saying all men, and I'm not saying all girls, but there is po possibility to split desire and love. They they don't have to be on the same team all the time. Although, of course, that's the optimal, right? Yeah, but uh, if you're talking about a relationship that's going to last yeah. like, and not just be a fling or not just be a season, yeah. you know, that you can change. So that, that might work for some people and they might be happy to have that. But mm. will that last a lifetime? No, not without Will that heart. be no. the thing no. that's, that's it? If you yeah. want someone to be at your deathbed holding your hands in your old age, that's <laughs> a heart connection, right? Yeah. They've got to clean the poop off you. When you poop yourself, when you're 88 years old, I mean, that's love, man. That's a heart connection. Yeah. And uh, I've taken care of the elderly, so I know what it's like to take care of, of old people. So that's where the heart connection, if you want it to, to last, if you want an eight-year relationship or a six-year relationship or, you know, one you change like you change your clothes with the seasons, then sure. I mean, of course, sexual attraction is super important. I mean, that's definitely important. And that's the, the big spark and the thing that draws you together, you know, the chemistry The, the physical connection, but for a lasting relationship, you know, when you're 50, 60, someone's gone through the menopause, I mean, what's going to keep it going when the sex dies down? And Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, but I think there is a slight disagreement here, which is cool because then it becomes more dynamic because I'm sure we can converse about stuff from different points of view. And I think maybe we disagree. You can tell me if we do or not. But okay. I think I think you're right when you say it has to be a heart connection. And obviously you're right also when you imply that sexual desire can cease if you lose the heart connection. But I know from my own experience and I also from others that it is possible to have the heart connection and yet the desire things vanish mm -hmm. and 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 because there is a heart connection lingering on um people stay together and they don't have sex and that's horrible also horrible for the mm -hmm. relationship mm -hmm. and they may go a whole year without sex or it may end up in in cheating and then you know drama and heart burn and whatnot so uh, that is a possibility so i see when relationship uh, dissolves sometimes that is uh, more frequent than people think that is uh, named as a cause and of course it's the unavoidability of being a lot together that kind of the freshness the news factor the novelty thing goes out of it and then it's easier especially for our generations new generations to look at you know just to like you say change clothes right not so in the old days they mm -hmm. all aimed to stay together now it has kind of lost a lot of its meaning but it does happen and um, it's it's the thing uh, i think as the perel she says very good uh, uh, adage kind of that sums it up she says love seeks closeness but desire needs space to thrive yeah perfect and i want to add this and then i give you the ball uh, okay. i think you mentioned space actually uh, you mentioned honesty humor heart 
I'll mention for my sake, and since you said, I would say honestly anyway, but it leaves me freedom to say three other things, and that's team, so important. Some relationships, they think it's a competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> right? I hear Either you. that or, especially if one of them are more narcissistic traits, or it's like one servant and one pampered person. Yeah. Everything is about one of them, right? So the team thing, always think and feel that we are in this together. We're going to, if you had a good day, that's good for me too. It goes both ways. We're going to pull this thing together. I, I think that's even more important when they get children. But team, the second is communication, which is kind of what you said, work with difficult, willingness to work, honesty. So, uh, yeah, uh, so communication, you mentioned that, but it's so important to, to talk when that, that's willingness to work with stuff. Tell me when something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't just, and I'm now I'm talking to you girls because this is a typical gender thing. Don't just think we are clairvoyant and know what's up. Yes. That's the biggest yes. problems for girls, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, we have our own stuff, but that's the uh, girl thing. And the third is, like you touched upon space, so important to give each other space. And when you do, you kind of preserve desire to don't control your partner all the time. Where were you? Who were you with? First off, that's just your own neurosis. But if you really are not comfortable, uh, let me talk from a guy perspective. If you're not comfortable to see your lady being flirted with or other guys watch her. I mean, you should really take this as a compliment. If other guys desire your woman, you should be proud. Mm-hmm. You should like that should tell you that you got uh, uh, an attractive girl. Yeah. So that's that's the ideal way to handle it. But it will also help you remind yourself that she's hot and that you shouldn't take her for granted because the granted thing is, is, often, uh, is often a reason for trouble. Yeah, I totally agree that uh, you do have to be a team, as you said in the beginning. That is so crucial. And and I have to say I'm very lucky because I've had a very good relationship for quite some time. So uh, I'm a bit spoiled in that respect (laughs) because me and my husband, we've always been like really not jealous, really Mm. not controlling each other, really trying to be open in communication and working together on the way we communicate so we don't trigger each other or cause resentments between ourselves that – then linger. But I'm sure it hasn't always been like this. You have experience with with bad stuff, right? Yeah, before. Yeah, Mm. before. And and we've we've gone through, you know, you go through your rough patches and then you try to, that willingness to work through it comes in and and you have to think, oh, my communication broke down for a while. Yeah, but I mean, you have had bad relationships too. Yes, yes, yes. In the beginning I had bad, that's what taught me the kind of relationships I didn't want to have. But I know that... um, yeah, for a lot of people, like bringing it back, though, to that, you know, necessity of the physical, mm. it's, it's yeah, it's 100% true. And uh, it can be very, very difficult to sustain a, a relationship if one person stops being interested in the physical side, you know, the sex side of the relationship, and one person's really eager, you know, to continue with it, then, yeah, even if there is the heart connection, it can dwindle and fizzle out. This is why people... Um, need to actively 
keep an eye on their own libido and their sexual well-being and their stress levels because life can kill someone's libido. And that's one of the reasons I started uh, my website and my company, Pleasing Partners, where I make tinctures to help men and women. It's called Ignite. So there's like Ignite for him and Ignite for her. But what I made those for was myself after I had my baby, uh, my libido, I noticed, had dropped. And I was mm. struggling, you know, to bring it back for, for my husband. Hold on. Is that a common thing when you've given birth? It can be, yeah. For some women, though, it can go the other way. They can become so horny they can't stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard about that, too. Yeah. But for me, unfortunately, um, I think my thyroid was also slowing down and I had some hormonal imbalance in my body. Mm. Um, so I really had to find a way to uh, bring that side of myself back up to par um, so, yeah, I created these tinctures for myself, basically. I looked up online, I studied which herbs were best, and I made my own little potion, and I started to use it. And with some great success, I certainly got my pet back. And, of course, that's very important, you know, to keep your relationship strong, especially after you just had a baby, because there's nothing worse for a man when a woman's just had a baby, and then if forever and ever there's just no contact and it's hard for the woman too you yeah. can lose yourself in the child and you can forget about that connection mm. between yourselves and it is to your detriment because then you don't get you know that that lovely feeling of physical contact you, you stop to even the heart connection is now all focused on the baby and not each other and you don't get that little you time when you can be yourselves again and you know remember who you are outside being the mummy and daddy so anyway i i, I worked on these uh, techniques to get my own libido back and i can say yeah it's 100 percent true if you want to keep your relationship going you've got to if you notice your libido going you've got to talk about it with your partner you must address differences in sexual appetite you've got to be able to bring those to the table and to look at it like adults. And if there is something lacking in the bedroom, you know, you've got to be brave enough to talk about that with each other in a way that you're not trying to put each other down or make someone feel bad, like, you know, oh, you didn't satisfy me, I wish you'd try that. You know, that would be a negative way to say it. No. It's about finding ways as well to talk about a very delicate topic between men and women because no one wants to be told something negative about their body or, you know, their performance in bed. It could be, you know, really damaging. Don't, don't you think that is worse for men? I, I would imagine so. I can only speak as a woman, though, but I, I can imagine seeing that the man actually has to get a hard on and sort of get the fires going. If he was having any doubt in himself... I would imagine a lot of, you know, erectile dysfunction could come from mental and emotional scars of having been criticized. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm not just talking about <clears throat> the physiology, yeah. Mm. Physiological, it's, yeah, we, we can't hide, we can't fake well, you mean it, right? For the, ego, for the ego. Yeah, but I'm talking about the psychology too, uh, the, yeah. the, the gender roles, because newsflash, there are gender roles that are negative for men. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the female stuff gets all attention, at least in this country. But one of them is, of course, being the viral, always ready lover, you know. And today, especially if I'm thinking about my poor American listeners, they are working two and three jobs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was horrified when I saw the hours they're working too. It's like a third world country. Mm -hmm. They're just working all the time. If they even have work, they're working all the time. Usually a shitty job that they don't even like. And so they come exhausted home. Yeah. And then they're supposed to be Tarzan in bed, right? And that's so hard. Let's be honest. For men or women, that's difficult. Mm. 
Yeah, but but uh, girls kind of can't fake it, can't they? <laughs> they can lie yeah, back and. But believe me, though, like uh, you can definitely like I know I can be so exhausted. The thought of even moving, yeah. you know, at the end of the day when I'm so tired from dealing, maybe I've been like working a lot and having my daughter to take care of, you know, chores and cooking. Uh, at eleven o'clock, maybe all I want to do is just have, watch a movie and just be a complete couch potato. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, but you're not in the zone. But say you are. Um, my experience is that girls, if you manage to turn them on, or I should say they're more politically correct, if they get turned on, it doesn't matter how yes. tired they are. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah. I actually, I actually experienced girls falling asleep, not, not while we had sex, but while I was massaging them <laughs> before sex. <laughs> and I, I didn't have the heart to wake up, you know, because well, she was so. Pardon? A good foot rub can do that. Ankle and feet do that to me. Yeah, yes. I love foot rubs. Yeah, that sends me on. But but the thing is, she was so exhausted and... But th- then I managed to make her turned on. And then, of course, I ruined it with putting massage in as a foreplay. Take a note, guys. <laughs> Never do that when the girls are tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good advice. Yeah, well, um, yeah. there can be ways to spice up a massage too you can always make it a bit more invigorating type massage um True. like you can put some invigorating music on I, I always like to set the mood in a massage you know the candles to make sure i don't fall asleep nice aromas that will keep you stimulated uh, music that's not too sleepy with a little bit of a bee so as it's going you can get into the rhythm of it and you know right. it can be very sensual a good massage because certainly uh, i already see an arrow i did i had like uh, <laughs> you know new age music like ping pong in space right <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should have put a little bit of house music on yeah. in the background. Yeah, should be more more energy there. I yeah, agree. Are there oils you can use too that um, makes a difference? I mean, aromatherapy is uh, a scientific uh, proven phenomenon. Uh, oils do influence us. Yeah. Odors. Mm-hmm. They do. And I, I was just going to say, I personally. Uh, in the bedroom area, I really love the smells of frankincense mm. and I really love um, like sandalwood and I love vanilla and there's the ylang ylang. So I'm sure everyone's got their own tastes, you know, what smell works for them. But those are just a few that I really find sensual and are, like arousing, stimulating it, kind of relaxing, not too hyper, but um, very warm. I like warm scents. Mm. Yeah, well, um, frankincense and sandalwood, I associate that with meditation. Mm-hmm. I always use that for my meditations, but uh, well, interesting. Hmm. So, okay, so you mentioned your, uh, I did have that on agenda to ask you, the website about the tinctures. Let's go a little into that. First off, let's start plugging the website. What's the address? Um, pleasingpartners.com. Yeah, it's a little website I made. There was some like sexy lingerie that I particularly like, like some bodysuits, um, some tinctures that I made personally for myself. And really, it was more kind of fact that I'd made them and they were working so well. I'd given them out to friends and got such a good feedback. People started asking me how they could buy them. Mm. So at the time I was making them, I wasn't really thinking, oh, this is going to be a business. I was just thinking, this is for me Mm. to get me back in, in the driver's seat again of my body. And uh, it kind of just grew from there. And the idea of the name Pleasing Partners came 
from me and my husband and from the fact that I'd made that tincture so I could make sure that we were pleasing each other again. <laughs> it's, and, a, uh, it's a great title. I have to give you that. Yeah. And also, I, yeah, like I chose some like nice underwears that help get me in the mood when you know, after you have a baby as a woman, you can maybe not feel so sexy. You start to feel mumsy. So I really wanted to get some nice lingerie as well to help me feel in the mood. And, and I always like them. The, the, the crotchless ones. Let's be real. Let's be adult ones because you can wear them <laughs> and you can have fun and you don't have to rip them off to have the fun. So I've always point, really liked uh, sexy underwear that's very accessible. So in the bedroom. They last longer, yes. Yeah, it's the best of both worlds. So I have some underwear like that on there. And really just little things to help you feel energized, um, able to have sex. Because the tinctures I have, so I have an energizer one, which is the green one mm. that has stuff that's high in iodine and stuff that was really nurturing the the endocrine system and the hormonal system in there. And so it has uh, four ingredients, and that's the green ones called Energizer. And it's basically... Um, oh, oh, hang on, hang on. So you make them for different purposes? Yeah, I have uh, cool. one for him mm. and one for her. And the difference is, is like in the female one, I use red maca. In the male one, I use black maca. Um, it's a, a long list of herbs in there. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but that's for the, the technical geeks who are into yeah. into plants. Yeah. What's the psychological difference? What's the aim difference? Well, no, it's just uh, which hormones it affects the most. So for the, for right. the man, you want to boost the testosterone mm. and you don't want to be boosting estrogen or anything like that or progesterone. You want to be just focused on a strength, stamina, testosterone, uh, health, it's anti-aging, it's anti-cancerous, it's an adaptogen, it's full of adaptogens, it's going to boost your nervous system, it's going to strengthen even your bones, you know, it's just a full body boost and to your hormonal system, so for the man it's tailored for his hormonal system. And yeah, I email, have to order one of these. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll send you one, my dear, just ask, I'll send you one, you know, you can have one for free, you don't need to buy it. <laughs> you, you already sold me on the man one, let's hear the three others. Yeah. Yeah, and it's called Ignite because Ignite. That, it was igniting my libido again. That was what my hope was to, to bring that because it's all about – obviously, there can be emotional side to it, true, and you've got to do that work too. But there is also many physiological reasons we can lose our interest in sex and yeah. not just purely a psychological and emotional. It can be definitely after any stress or illness or just uh, childbirth. Even for men mm. after childbirth, they can have an imbalance in their own hormones. Your hormones can go all over the place. Yeah. So, you know, you really need your, your hormones, you're communi uh, communicating. They have a consciousness in your body. They communicate to different things in your body. So you want to keep those guys in check and very happy. Mm. So for the female one, it's a, it's a little less on the testosterone side, but still with some, because even a female to have a healthy sex drive needs a certain amount of testosterone mm. in her system. So that's the difference with the male and the female has a little bit more. What's the female called? Oh, it's Ignite for her. It's just uh, Ignite. You know, I can, I can hear the, the advertisement voice now. <laughs> what do you call the site again? Oh, Pleasing Partners. Ah. Ignite for him. <laughs> Product <laughs> of <laughs> pleasingpartners.com. Oh. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and yeah, I can hear I, that she's uh, uh, soft porn music from the 70s in the background. <laughs> no, no, I think I think this sounds um, uh, very smart because it shows that you're actually tailoring your products to different needs, which is imperative. You know, you can't just have one solution fits all, right? No. Especially not for genders. So that's Ignite for men, Ignite for women. What's the two others? 
Well, well, yeah, I also sell a green Ignite, which is called Ignite Energizer, which is just about boosting your uh, thyroid gland and your system, your adrenal system, to make sure using iodine that you're going to feel yeah, energized. It's basically about stamina and energy. And so you can, if you were doing sports, you could use the Energizer green one as well. So it's that's just also just another thing I made on the side because I had a thyroid issue. And I wanted something that would tackle, you know, the iodine deficiency that a lot of people have. So I made that because the, the green kelp, it's, it's like a little bit aphrodisiac too. So everything I sell really, because your libido is directly linked to your energetics and your health and well-being. Like you were saying, if you're tired, it can really damage that. So the green one was really more for just that uh, energy for life, that get up and go. Yeah. And uh, I also sell, that's three kinds of Ignite I do. And then there's another product, which is Shilajit. That I also sell because that's also a libido enhancer. Um, they call it the Black Viagra. <laughs> so basically, an aphrodisiac. Yeah, it's also an aphrodisiac, but it's also um, can be used for meditation. Again, it's antiviral. It's anti-cancer. It has just so many properties because it has every mineral that your body needs mm. to be healthy. Mm. And a healthy body is going to be a healthy sex life. It's going to be uh, making you feel emotionally better, psychologically better. Um, so it's all about just giving your body what it needs. And I really, I've really grown fond of my Shilajit. I have to say, I've been taking it myself now for quite some time. And it's really, um, it's actually in the Ignite as well, because um, Shilajit also enhances other herbs and boosts their their potency. Is it your rich background who's made you adept in, uh, you know, playing around with herbs and stuff? Where did you pick up all this wisdom? Well, since I was 24, I've, I, I'm also, so I didn't really mention this yet, but I'm also an intuitive healer. So mm. I've been studying the healing arts since I was 24, if not from beyond really, because I would say my entire life's journey has been about learning how to heal yeah. myself mm. and then to then be able to show others. Yeah, you, you have some impressive yeah. um, feats in that department healing yourself mm -hmm. tell us a little about that. yeah I've, I've healed myself over and over again of, of many things so part of that journey for me was learning about natural remedies natural health i mean i wouldn't i call myself a wizard more than a witch as yeah. in a wizard as in trying to master self and become very disciplined and to achieve greatness or strive towards perfection not that i'll probably ever reach it but to at least strive <laughs> <laughs> and, and try to uh, learn as much as possible and, and uh, be able to be self-sufficient, take care of myself, my body. Um, and that's for me, has been a journey understanding herbs, nature, yeah. foods that I put into my body, uh, water intake, um, just being very conscious and, and aware of what nature has to, to offer you. Sorry. Yeah, if I recall right, you had some, you had some uh, experience with alternative medicine. Uh, I've prefer the term uh, complementary medicine. Mm -hmm. Didn't you have something there too? Well, um, in what respect? Sorry, what com you mean uh, the body talk and the emotion code? Yeah, probably. Okay, so there's nothing with herbs in that um, field. Well, no, I, I, well, no, I studied herbs, but herbs, herbalism is uh, not actually a part of emotion code and body code and the intuitive healing that I do because um, actually the emotional energy work I do is is actually grounded in trying to make people not have to rely on even medicines or herbs or vitamins to be healthy, but trying to bring the holographic field of someone into alignment mm. so that they would be perfectly in balance to the point where 
they wouldn't even really need to supplement because most of the time we really need to supplement because we're so out of balance. That's one of the reasons that we need herbs. So when I'm very down and I'm emotionally um, out of balance and I'm physically, mentally out of balance, energetically out of balance, a herb will help you come into balance. You know, energy work will help you come into balance. But once you're in balance, you, you, you probably wouldn't need to rely, you wouldn't have to take that daily vitamin pill every day because you'd be in balance. Your body would be yeah. a self-sustaining mechanism. So ultimately, I would like to get myself to the point where I wouldn't even have to rely on supplements or, or things to bring my body into balance. And that's that's what's taken me from herbalism and naturopathy into then trying to understand more the holographic nature of reality and the non-physical aspect of health so uh, but I, the real I, interesting stuff <laughs> yeah yeah because it's been a it's been a process for me it's been a gradual step-by-step process because there's only so much a herb can do yeah. a herb herb is going to be great it's going to get you out of a rut it can get your hormones in check but if there's an underlying emotional condition that that um relief might not be very long lasting it might not be um something that you know you'd have to keep going back to that herb to sustain it basically so what i like to do is yeah i can give advice to my clients say as a herb that might help them uh, boost their probiotics or or get help them fight um you know fungal overgrowth or whatever Mm. but also ultimately i'd like to get them to the point where we've removed what it was originally emotionally energetically that would have caused that imbalance so they would, they could then stop, you know, having to take that that substance and, and ultimately yeah. put my pleasing partner's website out of uh, business. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be for a good uh, course. But yeah, yeah, I'd be happy if that was the reason. If I could get everyone to that level of fitness, uh, I'd be doing my job well. Yeah, indeed. But um, uh, oh, many balls in the air now. So um, we're going to go back to relationships. Do we want to talk a little bit about tantra? Yeah, we're going to get to that too. But uh, I meant okay. to ask you one more thing. We were talking about herbs. Yeah. Look, I want to just uh, make a small uh, amen to the herb thing because many people say, oh, in the old days, they didn't have to do this stuff. It's just, you know, they think it's unnecessary with mm. supplements. And so yes. I just want to enlighten them that in the old days, the soil was very fertile, very rich, full of minerals. And people didn't have to, they, I mean, they could get all the nutrition just by having the old school meals. I'm talking like 100 years ago. Yeah. And, and even though they were probably not eating half as much as we do now, they got inadvertently, they could have like mono meals, mm-hmm. not a plethora of different ingredients, and they would still get covered. So today we have, we, we have like very poor food. It's more processed than ever too. And so we end up with products that uh, in mass and taste are excellent, but in nutrition are very poor. Notwithstanding, mm-hmm. I don't know for England, for no, you guys. No, it's true. Yeah, it's in true. In America, they have uh, every food is, is uh, genetically modified, mm-hmm. unless you go to an organic shop, a whole food shop. That's I mean, it's forbidden here. But it's amazing. So when you think about all that stuff, you need to to take care of your own health because it won't happen just by going by public recommendations or mainstream food. Exactly. So so stuff like what you're doing uh, will always have a multi-beneficial uh, result. It won't just be for the thing you're pitching it as. Just to get yeah, exactly. That's why I love. Sh- Sorry, that's why I love shilajit, because what you're explaining there, I mean, shilajit has every life-giving essential mineral 
that your body could be lacking. So yeah. that's why I particularly like shilajit actually as a supplement. If you didn't take anything else at all, shilajit is something you could take because it comes from that decomposition of everything in the mountains that then becomes this nutrient-dense element that, yeah, that it's so many minerals missing in the soil. Mm. Like uh, a lot of people who get arthritis are really lacking in boron and they just don't realize it. Now, mm. when you go to a doctor, they're not going to say to you, oh, you've got arthritis because you're low in, in boron. Here's some borax powder. Go and mix it in some water and, and you'll be fine in, in a few weeks. They're not going to say that to you. Um, they're going to give you some anti-inflammatory or some medication to take swelling down and ease your pain. Yeah, because they're dealing with symptoms, not with causes mm. in many cases. Yeah, but that, that specific illness is often directly linked to a lack of boron in the soil. So you're not getting it anymore in, in your food. And when you look at places that still have a rich source of boron in, in the soil, such as Israel... There, apparently, I've never been there, so I can't attest to this, but apparently mm. people, you don't see geriatrics on Zimmer frames uh, hobbling around with walking sticks so much because they've got so much boron in the soil. Mm. They're still getting that needed mineralization that keeps that calcium in the bones. And when you don't have enough boron, what happens is the calcium leaches out of the bone, starts to go into the blood and then gets stuck and deposited where it's not supposed wow. to be, and it's leached out yes. of the bones. And what the boron does, which you can get through borax, which you can buy... Uh, uh, can, we, can we get it from some natural food sources too? Um, well, yeah, you could. If you buy... if You would have to know, though, food that's grown in areas that have rich boron uh, minerals in the soil. Okay, that's the only way to get boron? Yeah, or you can take a boron supplement. Yeah. They have boron supplements. But yeah. I, if you buy food from Israel... I imagine that that will ha uh, be high in boron, and you you would have Damn, to. I, I'm in favor of boycotting Israel, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's sadly the truth for a lot of people. <laughs> so we're we're going to have to find our boron because uh, most of the soil is deficient now in boron. I don't even know off the top of my head which areas. Are what, what about the Palestinian products? They are bound. Yeah, to, uh, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and there's probably other maybe Algerian products too. It just depends how heavily they've been using chemicals in in their big you know pharmaceutical agro yeah. culture over there. No, but I, I bet you a million bucks that Israel is much more conscious of health mm -hmm. than America. I'm talking about not uh, the general uh, Israeli or the general American, but I'm talking as far as government's concerns because the American government is hopelessly corrupt and gone they're in the pocket of big pharma big vax big anything right mm -hmm. but uh, other countries such as russia especially russia is very good very progressive when it comes to stuff like health like yeah they, they are they are encouraging citizens to to grow stuff in their own back garden they're very aware of the local i know stuff. how revolutionary yeah <laughs> and they are forbidding like us they forbid uh, genetically modified and uh, yeah they just have a lot of healthy and but I, I bet israelis are, are paying attention too uh, they are like they, they care more they're very nationalistic so they would care more about the health of their own people yeah. I'm not saying there's it's not corruption there too but just in general terms so we have to we have to take responsibility for ourselves we can't trust the you know nanny state or anything no and so, actually I sorry I was just thinking as you were saying that another thing you could do is if you grow your own food because basically borax powder is basically just pure 
um, the source of boron from the soil, like a salt. It's basically just something that's mined from the ground, borax. Oh, okay. um, mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you can buy it in powder form. It looks like it's a detergent or a slime ingredient, but actually it's just like uh, bicarbonate of soda or salt. It's a, it's a mineral. So you can buy the borax powder, and then you could actually put it into your own earth. You could put it in water, you could dilute it, and then you could pour it in your own soil and then grow your own food from that soil. And that would be a good way to just, you know, put it back into the, your personal garden or your soil if it's lacking and then grow, grow something for yourself. Mm. Yeah. I have to ask you before we leave this subtopic, what about aphrodisiacs? What do you recommend mm -hmm. there? Let's, let's give a handout to the guys. I guess there are aphrodisiacs for girls too, but to be honest, I always regard those as bullshit. <laughs> well, obviously my potions are aphrodisiacs, Ignite. They're a form of aphrodisiac. Um, Shilajit is an aphrodisiac, it's both for men and women. Um, oh really? Wow. Yeah, it is. It's that's what it's known for, and I think. Yeah, but girls can be turned on mentally, yes. But but are there really not chemical, but physical I, stuff? I I think so. So definitely that can be as effective as let's say. Uh, Uh, Viagra. Um, I, I'm not sure if something could be as, um, as on the same level as Viagra for a woman because it's a very, it's just the physical bringing of the blood down yeah. a certain area with Viagra. I, I don't get why you couldn't do that with women. You have a lot of blood down the there. does actually, there are herbs that stimulate blood flow to the genitals. Oh, okay. I mean, that, that's what they do. It's that's what makes an aphrodisiac an aphrodisiac is it's going to bring blood into the genital area and warm it slightly. Mm. So that's mm. what it's going to do. So Ignite does do that. Shilajit does do that. And I think that there's lots of foods like um, pumpkin seeds, almonds. Um, I, I, I really like, oh, what's that herb? Um, ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is a, a nice herb for also um, relaxing, bringing the nervous system into a nice relaxed state because that's also important as an aphrodisiac because sometimes people are a bit feeling a bit frigid because they're all stressed and uptight and finding something that can relax even red wine mm. i know it's just it's an alcohol and, and some people might not be into that but i think even a, a glass of red wine some choc chocolates chocolates yeah chocolate i've heard some people can actually have sex on alcohol i never managed that it always uh, affects my Uh, potency and I, I, I'm in that department I'm narcissistic enough to think that I don't want to perform if I can't perform my best <laughs> <laughs> so I never have sex on alcohol which is a pity because girls get turned on from that but I'll tell you something that's good for men and this is scientifically confirmed mm -hmm. and that's watermelon Now, ah. yeah, it's. Uh, or, uh, I don't think that either is as effective as uh, Viagra because you have to eat so huge quantums to get to that uh, level, and you can't eat that much of watermelon, mm -hmm. right? But yep. they're talking about, and I guess they're experimenting already. They're taking this active ingredient in watermelon and see if they can manufacture it. Like, for example, they do with Viagra. I don't know if it's in production yet, but I've heard about that. And oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it should be healthier. I don't know that Viagra has any bad rap in terms of... I don't trust it, but I can't rely on science for that because I don't know if it's proven any side effects that's serious but uh, watermelon is anyway i say that, that's like a romantic meal if you're on a date you could have a little mm. watermelon out it wouldn't hurt oh, you. And, and some dates dates are also um they help to release oxytocin they're so sugary though 
Yeah, but for women, right, they help oh. to release oxytocin. Oh, and um, so they, they put you into that bonding state. So yeah. for, a, for a woman, from a female sexuality uh, perspective, not from perhaps a male, but from a female, that's that, that gets you in the mood. When you feel close, you feel the yeah. good oxytocin. You feel like you want to snuggle with your honey. You're yeah. very touchy-feely. That's what dates do. Okay, that's, that's super interesting because, guys, pay attention now. That's the hormone women exceed, is that the word, or produce when, reproduce, yeah. Yeah, when they have G-spot orgasm. Mm-hmm. That's the same hormone that's also released when you give birth. So yeah. that's why you're born with a child. And it's super effective, it's so powerful. If, if a girl has that flow with you in bed, she kind of will be into you uh, after that. Okay. <laughs> 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 so have that as an incentive. So, um, yeah. So, and, and there is, uh, aphrodisiac aspects of your products too, you said? Yeah, definitely made us, uh, for, for aphrodisiac effects. And, and I'm sure you'll find other products, uh, out there on the internet. I'm sure there's many things that can boost oxytocin, boost stamina, bring that mm. warmth. For, for men, it would be more about bringing that blood flow down to the genital area. For a woman too, she needs a good blood flow down there as well and uh, a good circulation and blood flow that she's really important for your libido as well it's yeah. it's good to keep that make sure your blood is keeps flowing like exercise not becoming too much in front of your computer screen during lockdown <laughs> watching yeah, netflix yeah. on binge <laughs> or porn i think most people watch yeah porn. or porn there's definitely been a lot of watching porn uh, and i think there's there was so even, much addiction it's so unhealthy there but was even yeah we can get to that what were you saying i was just going to say there was even covid porn wasn't there did you see that the covid porn no. with the masks yeah, there's been a whole genre. There's been a whole genre. I get that. Uh, that's probably a big fetish now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'd go, if I was going to such a costume ball, I would go as with that, you know, the doctor mask with the tooth <laughs> bird thing. Yeah. You know, the ancient uh, or medieval pandemic mask. Oh, yes, from the Black Death. Yeah, from yeah, that's death. it. Yeah, the they, used to, they, used the to, they used to stuff the nose with herbs, aromatic herbs. Yeah. That's why it was long. Yeah, it was a science behind it. Yeah. So it's, uh, people mock it by ignorance. No, no, it actually worked. It's just not very practical. Yeah. But um, there is one good news here, and that's that you don't have to have uh, this primitive or uh, porn version of sex all the time. You know, the brutish kind of rape energy you can also go to the opposite girls are very uh, responding to that guys and that's tantra Mm -hmm. where you actually it it serves you well no matter the libido because you have to take it easy it's not a performance sport it's uh, it's more an art and it really connects with the deeper layers of sexuality so what what would you say about it well, for those who don't really know uh, the meaning of the word Tantra, uh, Tantra means to weave or a web. So the point of Tantra is to intertwine energies with someone else. Um, I, there's also a Tantric field that artists tap into, which I won't go into right now, yeah. um, as an energy, as an orgasmic energy that's always there around us as part of creation. And the way I see Tantra is it's... Uh, Basically, when you take sexuality to an expression more of sort of worship of one another and the acknowledgement of mind, body and soul in union 
during the sexual connection rather than just, uh, you know, oh, we're going to dress up in these costumes tonight and bang away, even though that's fun too. And of course, you know, go go for it. There's nothing wrong with a bit of that. But um, in Tantra, it'd be more about are you connecting the hearts, like I was saying about the heart-centered connection. Mm-hmm. It would be about working on, um, before you would make love as an example, it would be about a nice foreplay, sensuality, stimulating the senses, you know, bringing your breathing. Problem is people don't have time for Tantra these days. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why if, if you want to do it, you've got to, you've got to make the time and space for it. I mean, yeah. that's just true. If you don't do that, then you just, it, it won't happen. There'll yeah. never be a right moment. You've got to say, okay, this Saturday, there'll be a babysitter. I'll make two hours to just put aside me and my honey. And we're going to... I can see why women are kind of more attracted to this field uh, than men. Because men, sexually, I mean, it is a cul-de-sac, but it's very prevalent. And that's that... You know, it's like this use and throw society, right? So it's yeah. a man can be happy getting a five minute. You know, <laughs> he just needs the release. This isn't healthy sexuality. I'm just talking about many traps out there. Mm-hmm. And so then they don't have this incentive to go deeper or to explore them more. Because a, a, a girl will usually normally, in average, uh, need a little more time to get ignited. So just five minutes here and there wouldn't, doesn't motivate her so much. And that, so she will be more inclined to explore options like Tantra. Uh, but ironically, I think men will earn more on mastering Tantra because this isn't politically correct, but I'm afraid it's true. Mm-hmm. And that's that if a man masters uh, the art of Eros, a woman is normally, again, I'm talking average, there's always exceptions everywhere. Mm-hmm. But a woman will be more receptive. She's easier to tango with. She's more instinctively will adjust to the tangoing. Whereas if it's the opposite, if the woman is a tantra master and the man is like a goofball, it's not going to be as easy. So, so it is actually an advantage that the man knows something. Uh, there will be more successful matings statistically mm-hmm. if a man knows what to do than if a woman knows what to do. So this is just an incentive uh, for men out there to to start getting interested in it because if you improve her sexuality you will improve your own too mm-hmm. and it's actually a lot of fun i mean to some people they might hear it and think oh it sounds uh, a lot of work or something but actually it's yeah. incredibly fun it can be it, tantra isn't just about uh, some yoga stuff where you try to Om or something where you have sex. It can just be the art of sensuality and intimacy. To me, it's about weaving your connection. It's a time. Some, some call it slow sex. Yeah, it's a time where you say, okay, this is our time and we're going to fill it. You know, it might even be that you're playing sexy games and you're feeding each other delicious fruits or chocolates as you're playing and tantalizing each other. You have that nice music going. Hold on, hold on. Do you think Tantra can be combined with other kinds of sex, like, for example, role play? If if stuff gets too kinky, it kind of uh, neutralizes the Tantric effect, right? Well, I, 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 I don't think you can mix too much different stuff. But I'm wondering, I have never explored like a combination. So I'm wondering if you have thoughts about that or experience with that. 
Well, listen, I'm never one to rain on someone else's parade. I say if they can work and mix it, go for it. Um, My own personal experience is that when I want to get on that deeper side, it's the night is geared around that deeper side. And we're we're both in the mood for that. And when it's more the fun night, sometimes you want a little, just a bit of fun. But the, the tantra part really comes just from the connection. So even though it might be a bit more thrill-seeking sex, role-playing, or, you know, some bondage or some kinky stuff. It doesn't mean that you can't be in synchronization with each other or spend a moment before it connecting hearts to one another, holding each other close, hugging, just feeling the breath and acknowledging each other. So Uh, pre-care and and after-care, no matter what sex. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah, it's really all about intimacy. I think... Um, even though, you know, that's tantra, but of course you can have those quickie sex things and then you both say bye and you've got to go off to work. You know, that's also fun. I'm not saying that, but if you want to do tantra, what it's just really about is weaving each other's energy around each other and connecting to each other using that energy. And of course you can then take that energy to a higher spiritual level if you want to and use it to activate Kundalini. Um, it can, it can do a lot of positive things that, that powerful orgasmic energy that's there you can then sort of ride that as a bliss wave and once you start to become a master of tantra that's really your objective but if you just want to dabble in it as a way to bring more intimacy more connection it's really yeah like you're saying slow sex it's just about slowing down the breath the connection placing your hand on each other's heart and looking into each other's eyes Mm. and just honoring each other in, in that moment and taking a breath you know that would be a good place to start Mm. Yeah, five minutes can be fun, but in the long run, uh, I think the women will start complaining before the man, to put it like <laughs> that, especially if the man gets a release all the time and not the woman. But the good thing is, I see the younger girls are, the easier it is for them, the, the more conscious they are of their sex life. So I, I think the old polarity, you know, the big problem for men was uh, premature ejaculation, while the big problem for women were frigidity. So they were like uh, mm-hmm. polarized. Men came too soon, women uh, too late, or they didn't come at all. <laughs> but now I think that's more, at least for girls, I think it's easier for them. They have control over their own uh, sexuality, uh, the younger they are. And also frigidity isn't that big of a problem anymore. Although I think still it's only 40% to say in, again, it depends on the generation. But they say in statistics that they don't get orgasm in relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big source for a lot of discontent. I'm equally an adherer to both culture and nature. So I'm not like taking sides, but I just, but I think it's too underestimated if especially a girl is not pleased sexually in a relationship, well, I wonder though, she will take it out on the man psychologically, like start to, uh, uh, what you say when you uh, cut off his penis. Um, oh, that's uh, demasculation. That? Yeah, she, she will start, yeah, she will start the... Uh, no, that's not a word, not demasculation, but... Emasculate. Castration, yeah. She, oh, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so yeah. she will start castrating you and you will feel like you have a nagger at home and she mm-hmm. will feel you're no good. It, I mean, it will be a self-fulfilling, mutually feeding beast here, right? Well, that would be because that woman is not communicating properly. 
I mean, yeah. as soon as you say that, that's just that's a miscommunication. That a lot of women very don't have the courage to yeah. stand up and say what they want. So then they yeah. sit there unsatisfied, but then they don't say anything. They just nag and get uh, snippy about your socks being there, and they're not telling you how they're really feeling or what's the problem. Like you were saying at the beginning of the podcast, that thing where he should just know. You know, he should be able to read my mind. No. Yeah, you need to just yeah. come and, and be able to say, like, anyone, oh, you know, baby, if you were just to do this, oh, that would feel good and encourage your lover yeah. to to touch you the way you want to be touched, to try a position that you might like, to, to do something that you'd want or move their hand to the place that's nice for you because a man doesn't have a female body. You know, he only he knows what his body feels like to touch. You've got to show him what feels good in your body. Like, he's got to show you, oh, you do this because each man even is different the way they like to touch. Yeah, plus we have another problem. Uh, we discover the weenie very early, right? And so most men fall in love with that and forget the rest. So they don't become aware that we have other aspects of sexuality too. That is easier, I think, for a girl to discover on herself because she already have a little more complex uh, structure for orgasm and stuff like that. Uh, whereas, I mean, you have... I think at least five different types of orgasm if you should really be uh, dissecting it and categorizing it. But for many men, uh, that's another reason they're not interested in it, Tantra, because, okay, my, my dick comes when <laughs> you know, I do this, right? So it's liberating for men to also realize it's not just about uh, the penis and erection. No, you have nipples too. Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's practical. <laughs> yeah, physically. And, and earlobes. And ankles and uh, the head. Oh, a good head massage. Yeah, that that yeah. can be amazing as well. A good head massage. Pressing on those pressure points, especially like uh, as someone's, uh, a man is coming, I think it all shoots out their head. So like a good scalp rub as well while you're having mm. a mind-blowing orgasm can take it to another level. <laughs> There's so many systems that are building upon the fact that the world is indeed uh, holographic, like you said. And so there are like, everybody knows pole mystery. You can see, uh, you know, the, the, the whole point of systems like that is the holographic principle. It's that every zone somewhere in your body mm -hmm. is reflecting the whole. So we know palmistry, we know foot zones, like foot zone therapy. Yeah. So that, uh, we know it's the same for the iris. There are systems out there who can uncover your whole system by the iris. You can do mm -hmm. it with the spine. Or even here you can do it with the uh, hair or hair roots or something. So Yeah, I've uh, heard that people take the hair, don't they, and they have it tested to see what's wrong with the body. Yeah, this is this is more scientific. But I'm I'm talking more like um, these old disciplines of oh, predictions right. where they read a part of the body. Right, yeah. But it's the same principle what you said. But like for example, women uh women hair grow one way, male hair another way. So you can tell about polarity and stuff. But uh, anyway, so there's a lot of uh, systems like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I just saw there was one for the dick too, of course. <laughs> 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 so when you talk about details uh, in the sexual acts, fellatio, for example, stuff like that, then it's something to it because there are zones uh, on the male body too where the penis isn't everything, but it's uh, many of the zones obviously are there. Uh-huh, well, uh-huh. They're more spread in, in your body. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Um, it's very good to experiment um, for your own, you know, sexual, your, your erogenous zones, what areas of your body feel good? 
when you press them because uh, I don't know for a man, but I know that also like the belly button area is actually quite a sexy area. You could you, you can massage that area. What, what's that area? The, the belly button area where the sacral chakra is. Oh yeah, right. As well. Right. So if you're stimulating the genital area, but you're also rubbing around the belly button area, I mean, it's like another little clitoris, that belly button. It can really set some, if you're having an or orgasmic waves going through your body and you've got someone rubbing on your stomach, you know, there's different areas Like you can also rub the heart area. This is more getting again to the ideas of Tantra, stimulating, yeah. being aware there's energy centers in your body and meridians, and you can use those to enhance your sexual experience of, you know, the energies as they pass through your body and even prolong your sexual experience, boost your libido, get you in the mood. You know, if you can know a few pressure points to press on in, in the right place, you know, you can do wonders and you can even increase uh, your erection and how hard it is and for women, their sensitivity. There's just so much to learn about the body. And I think if you're just having that sex, it's only about your penis. I mean, it might be good, but you might be missing out on a, like a whole rainbow <laughs> of experiences that you could be having rather than just the black and white one. It's funny. Now we're in flow because you started to talk about something I wanted to take up. Mm -hmm. And that's the energy centers. Yeah. Because what you're saying is correct. I'm going to, this is the perfect place to drop this fun fact, uh, a fact to it. I haven't been able mm -hmm. to share anywhere else because it has, hasn't fitted in. But here it's like uh, hand in glove. And that's the fact that, you know, I told this to a sexologist I was interviewing. Uh, I asked her why there's so many girls into uh, what, what you, uh, breath play, mm -hmm. you know, being choked. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that was a mystery for a long time, but but I know the answer now. Um, and, and by the way, she said it wasn't just girls; boys are into it too. Mm -hmm. But it's actually logical because you will observe. Well, you, most people won't thank God, but in the old days, you would observe if you went to a hanging. It was totally normal for hanged people to get erection. Oh, I didn't know and that. Obviously. Yeah, obviously not because they were turned on. Because there's a direct relation between the throat uh, center and the crotch center. Mm -hmm. Those two energy centers, of obviously they, they're connected uh, to, um, I mean, the real uh, motors in the energy centers are the glands, the organs and the glands. And of course, the nerve system, all the plexus going up, uh, both the sympathetic and autonom is going up through the spine. Uh, but uh, there is a direct connect, you know, two and two energy centers are connected. So, or chakras, as I say, India, meaning wheel. Yeah. So uh, the throat chakra and the crotch chakra are directly connected. So when you get a pressure on the energy in the throat, it comes out downwards, both for mm -hmm. men and women, which yeah. is obviously why women use it as an aphrodisiac too. Yeah, so, and I think that makes sense why people like to make sounds while they're having sex. Like, ah, sounds mm. like that actually stimulate sexual energy, making sounds, not being quiet. And also the tongue and the mouth, you know, licking, stimulating the tongue, stimulating that area of the throat and the mouth. That is definitely going to be getting your juices flowing. Yeah, but breath is super yeah. important. Breath mm -hmm. uh, influences uh, your hormones and everything. Mm -hmm. 7,000 studies since they started in, when was it, 2003 or something? 7,000 studies in meditation 
who all point to, I mean, they point to a billion things, but they are singling out which everyone is pointing to because that's the safest, that's the most prevalent. Mm -hmm. And one of those are especially what we're talking about now. Like, for example, many researchers into stuff like um, hallucinogens, entogens, mind-bending drugs and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. they've developed techniques where you don't need mushroom or LSD or anything. Just use breathing techniques to get achieve the exact same results so they can have, for example, psychotherapy in that state. It's kind of Mm -hmm. the same as the shamans did with um, ayahuasca and stuff like that. I was going to say to you, though, that that's actually like one of the basis of tantra too is breath work. It's all linked to breath. Yeah, breath. It's all linked to breath. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so that's a very important factor that will be influenced, uh, that can influence uh, your sexuality too. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously an advantage if people have experience with, for example, yoga or pranayama or uh, tai chi. They learn to breathe correctly there too. Uh, depth yeah, uh, breath is important. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of kind of breath work you can do to develop your chi and your sexual energy. And there's things like dragon. I think there's one called like dragon breath you can do. Which pranayama. Is, yeah, pranayama and, and breathing deeply down yeah. as well into the lower area of the body rather than being very up in the chest, really breathing it, bringing it down as low as you can and, you know, filling that genital area. Because even if obviously you can't actually breathe into your genitals but you can feel you can you can use your consciousness to feel like you're bringing that right down into your depths into that center and then breathing out and that would definitely encourage your libido and your sexual performance and your enjoyment yeah yeah all of our files are free and will remain free if you like the show you can show support by donating $1 to help with expenses. Just use the PayPal link on our website, YouTube channel, or Facebook page. Thanks. Uh, since we have gone all the way into voo-voo country, <laughs> I might as well take up another, like a spiritual concern. Uh, I hate that word. But anyway, and that's uh, when you have blockages in your energy center. For example, in uh, uh, let's just entertain the possibility of reincarnation. I mean, I had a scientist on who's more or less proven it. Okay. But if that's a fact, let's say you were raped in a former life, but it doesn't have to go back to another life. It can go back to this life too. You, you fell down from the, yeah. yeah, you know, the classical falling down from the crib, right? But mm-hmm. stuff can have happened to you during uh, when you grew up, whatever. So you have different issues and they can be like blockages in your system, which yeah. is a lot of the tantric, uh, especially tantric massage and stuff like that has as their rationale that they're going to free the energy flow of your prana, or I say pneuma, which is Greek, but you can say shi in China, you can say ki, you know, like tai chi or aikido. So, yeah, you can work with uh, getting a release of that energy, which will also help you sexually. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I do in my healing sessions when I'm working on someone a lot of people have sexual blockages or blockages in general. And some of the major emotions that block us sexually, uh, things like resentment, bitterness, shame, guilt, envy, uh, terror, 
jealousy, um, actually shame and guilt, that's a lot uh, for women more, actually, that tends to come up yeah. than men, because women are often shamed about their sexuality, or maybe they had a bad experience where they were with a guy who then treated her like a slut after or something. But Yeah, yeah, but men are body shamed. Yeah. They may not be, it's true that we're, we're not sexually shamed, like, for instance, a man, it, it's a classical, you heard, if you ask a man and a woman how many partners they've had, Mm-hmm. Uh, you will, you <laughs> always need to double the ans- <laughs> answer the woman say, and you have to half the answer the man say, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a nurture thing. That's a culture thing. That's the mm. fact that uh, you're stigmatized if you have uh, sex or like sex as a wo- woman, and you're stigmatized if you don't have sex as a man, then you're a loser. So yeah. we all both agenda bear those crosses, but there are, but you do bring stuff in from past lives. That was what I was going to get yeah. to too. Like in my healing sessions, I, I won't divulge, you know, specific uh, uh, sessions with clients because no, that's uh, confidential. But um, often things from past lives or even just from their own lineage will come up um, in the session. So as an example, you could have, like you were saying, maybe your your great, 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 great grandmother could even be more, could even be like a hundred generations back. You can have a trauma that could be coming from B.C., some traumas I've cleared have been that old. And it could just be that someone in your family was raped brutally or, or witnessed something terrible or something that they carry down in the genetic code, down in the memory that gets passed on to you. It doesn't necessarily always get passed on to everyone in a family mm. line. It can be passed on to specifics like just the women or just the men or certain people. But that these things do affect us. And I do believe in past lives. And I do believe in reincarnation personally. And, uh, yeah, stuff from past lives, that is something obviously starts to get to more woo-woo level. You've got to learn yourself how to remove Mm. that and deal with it. And it's not always as easy as you think because uh, sometimes you can really feel stuck or not even be able to understand or find out, you know, what's blocking you. So in that respect, you need to either work with a, a therapist or, you know, intuitive healer, or you've got to find your information to tell you and teach you how to do that yourself, whether it be through a Vipassana retreat or through some deep meditation where you can go inside yourself and unlock those answers for yourself. But that is definitely crucial. And a lot of people just don't understand that they are carrying those memories and traumas from those past lives with them from the minute they're born by the time they're you know at a certain age they can just be triggered and they will start to then generate situations that will replay almost that that energy to them so they can try to correct or be confronted with that energy that still needs to be brought into balance and um, that's why some people will just have nothing but bad relationships and they won't understand it. They'll think, oh, but, you know, I I always try hard. I thought I was going to be okay, but then it gets to this point and maybe they feel some anxiety or some resentment or fear and they don't know why and they find themselves stuck in a rut. And for those people, yeah, I would definitely say think about past life energy, lineage you know, energy that you could be carrying if all else failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but isn't it healthy to start examining the known stuff, then go into the uh, stuff that may, may be <laughs> repressed? And if you have no answers after all that's exhausted, then mm. you can turn to past life. I would never begin with a past life. That's beginning in the wrong end, if you ask me. 
Well, I don't think anyone really begins immediately by thinking about past life, but it's like, oh, okay, I tried this, I tried that, yeah, I've yeah. tried that. Usually it takes someone quite a long time to even get to that conclusion of, okay, there has to be something. Yeah, but I was I was imagining the what we call up here the purple aunt. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the cliche new age woman. Is it? Basically, Is that what you call yeah. A purple purple aunt. aunt, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but what you say, I agree. Look, I was saying uh, the stuff that uh, men exaggerate and women underestimate a number's partners to point to the fact that we have some gender differences in, in gender roles, stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then girls get shamed for liking sex and that's specific to their gender. And so some blockages in girls will have different causes than some blockages in men. Mm -hmm. But something we have in common, like body shaming, that's not a, a female issue. I just wanted to put that in there. And the energy we're talking about, you, you talked about meridians, right? Which is from uh, the Tao system or Chinese medicine. But it's the same thing they uh, are looking at. It's the same thing that makes uh, you be able to read a body from a body part. Uh, it's because this energy, which goes with the blood, by the way, and uh, circulates all over your body. It can be worked with directly. There's some meditation techniques where you can work with this creative energy. I mean, you, you don't have to even work with it sexually. You can, if you're an mm -hmm. artist, if you're working creatively, you're basically working with pneuma or prana or yep. the vital life force. A hundred percent. When you exercise, you're using it too. Yeah, so a part of Tantra is also to, to work with that energy. You mentioned Kundalini awakening, which is taking a bit far. You don't have to do that just to have a healthy energy system in your own body. I, I think that belongs more to a more uh, deliberate spiritual path. Yeah, well, Kundalini awakening is, yeah, that's not for everyone. And that's not necessarily has to be the focus of Tantra either. No. It's Tantra can be more about just building intimacy, being more healthy, being happier, more connected. I mean, uh, we, I mean, we should admit that we're using the Tantra in its most primitive and vulgar meaning, namely in the modern contemporary meaning. Because if you, mm -hmm. go, if you go to the origins, Tantra isn't even about sex. Yes, that too. But it's, it makes Kundalini awakening yeah. look like child's play. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really a spiritual path to become enlightened. And so uh, we just in the West, we, we uh, ejected that sexual aspect of the entire thing. <laughs> and we blew it up and made courses and programs and, you know, made it into a fad. <laughs> well, yeah, well, for me, I've actually had a partial Kundalini awakening. So I'm quite well accustomed with Kundalini. And for me personally, Tantra has been a, a, a spiritual path because uh, yeah. it's that's just naturally been a part of my life because... But there's actually a lot of people. On, but that's not, but what that's, not, that's not what we're talking about no. here. We're talking, we're talking about, about stuff everyone can do, right? Yeah, a watered down yeah. tantra. <laughs> the accessible Amazon version, Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, bubblegum version. So, uh, no, but that's great. It's better than nothing, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah, and it's healthy to find ways. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy to keep a relationship going, keep it fun. And, you know, you can go through different stages. Why not try a little tantra stage? It doesn't have to be like the whole everything of your sexual relationship, but yeah. it'll certainly keep things interesting and, and new anyway if things get in a rut and you, you want to spice it up and, 
and keep it yeah keep it keep it interesting keep it fresh so i think you have to keep sex interesting fresh yeah keep it you gotta try new things you got to try new things yeah because that's uh, like i said that's one of the problems uh, ending relationships is the, either the libido or just attraction to each other. Says, boredom. Yeah, uh, we take each other for granted. We forget. Yeah. Uh, usually men remember after it's... It, it's unfortunate, but a lot of women are wired to start the process of divorcing inside themselves. Mm-hmm. And when they announce it, they've already worked with it. And usually the man is clueless and, and is shocked and then gets traumatized and has to start his... Uh, separation process after the fact which is why so many men are stalkers and you know in in statistics at least in this country i wouldn't know about the whole world but i'm guessing it's a western society okay men handle um dissolutions of relationship much harder than women and yeah men can cheat too but usually when that happens they depart from the heart thing we're going to get to the heart now but they just distinguish and it's just physical and, um, yeah, women can have that too. But uh, when I just said the example where, let's say, the woman is not satisfied in bed mm-hmm. and it leads to bickering and demasculinization, one of two things usually happens. If they're not aware and responsible enough to just break it up, usually the man cheats because he's got this bitch at home. Mm-hmm. Who can blame him, right? Or the woman cheats because she's got a useless bot who doesn't work. So in either case, uh, it's death for the relationship. But Mm -hmm. like I said, men usually work with a separation after the fact, women before the fact. And that's unfortunate that we're wired. There are many gender differences. We've touched some today. But we're wired so that... It's not all, it doesn't always work uh, compatible with each other. Mm-hmm. And the other reason for breaking up is the heart thing. And I was just wondering, you probably have some advices for how to keep it warm. We've told them a little of how to keep it warm physically, sexually, eros. But what about the heart? Well, I think the, the heart is really where the communication comes in because the communication, that's all about keeping the heart happy. You know, the, you, you know that you can be angry and not communicating, but you can still get hard on and get turned on and have angry, yeah. crazy sex. That That's not a, an issue for a lot of people. Um, but it's the, the heart for it to stay open. You know, we have to make sure we don't build resentment. I feel that things like resentment really come between a heart connection and um yeah, things that haven't been said out loud or feeling disconnected because um, you're angry and stuff. So you've really got to be able to clear the air be- between you and your partner and just small exercises. Like I really like to do breathing exercises and imagine the hearts connecting if I feel a little bit disconnected after an argument or something or place a hand on each other's heart and just sit there for a moment and just connect. And another really easy or wonderful thing you can do is say you, you've had strong words or, you know, you've argued and you're not, you're not agreeing and then you're trying to make it up. What, what you can do to really build heart connections, a simple technique is after you've had a, maybe a time where you've been at each other and, and not agreeing, once you try to speak, talk through it, get rid of the issue, at least acknowledge uh, that there's a problem and tell your sides about it. But then to after, once you've had hard words, just to say three nice things. Once you've cooled down, try to think of three nice things that you really appreciate about your partner. Because mm. a lot of the time we don't spend time just sitting there saying, look, I just want you to know this every Sunday you could do this if you wanted to make it a ritual. 
these three things I really appreciate about you, and I'm going to tell you what they are. This week, you made me that cup of tea mm. when I was really stressed out, and I just want you to know that I really actually appreciated Lovely. in the moment that you did that for me. Yeah. And there was this, you know, the way you took care of business this week, my darling, where you got that money we needed for that bill. I just want to say that how much I appreciated the effort that you made there, and I just want to recognize it and really say thank you for that. And list your little simple three things that you really appreciate about your partner. And, and doing this is such a wonderful way to connect hearts because we often get lost in angry words or arguments, and then we have that in our memory. We, we keep hearing that voice. You know, It's much better to then replace that with a positive voice where you just yeah. – it could even be something like, oh, honey, when you wore those red jeans, you I know that you knew that was going to cheer me up, and I know you were doing that for me, honey, and I just want you to know that I really appreciated that you did that for me and just – Anything, mm. could be anything, anything, little things that someone did for you in the this, week. This is a prevention from taking anything for granted. Yeah. This is a reminder. You know, last time I had you on, we talked about how the gut is scientifically proven to be a part of your, actually your whole consciousness system, your whole thinking system. Mm-hmm. The enteric <laughs> mind. It's called the enteric mind. Yeah, the enteric mind. And we've, we've always had it in a, as an expression, mm-hmm. right? Uh, talk from your gut, yeah. for example. Oh, I felt it in my gut. So, so it's been there intuitively. But uh, another thing that shouldn't be underestimated, who also influences your uh, perception and thinking process is the heart. For example, they found that before you make a thought out of a vibratory sensory impression, it goes through the heart. We're talking like milliseconds here, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very fast process. Yep. But obviously, it means that uh, the heart will um, influence where in the brain is going to send this thing, which gives it a lot of power. Look at the heart as the... A bouncer. Well, actually, the opposite, like the secretary before you get to the boss, right? <laughs> and yeah. uh, everybody who's like, I was into sales, phone sales many, many years ago. And we were always uh, annoyed when we had these, uh, how should I put this, secretaries who blocked our access to the, <laughs> the cook blockers, basically. <laughs> So, um, no, the, the heart is very important. So if you have a happy heart, an easy heart, a light heart, the, you're more inclined to interpret the impulse in a good light. And if you have a happy heart, yeah. obviously the opposite. So, yeah, uh, yeah you we definitely can... have the heart mind. You definitely can. I, I'd like to say yeah. that in yeah. Body Talk, the kind of healing modality I study, we work on three centers. So one is the mind mind, which actually has two sides to it, but it's considered one center. And we consider that the father of the body. And then there's the heart mind, which is the mother of the body. And then you have the enteric mind, which is like the inner child of the oh, body. That's horrors. So it's like a mm. holy trinity. It's the holy trinity within yep. you. Yep. And it can either be functional and then you'll be functional or it can be dysfunctional. And that's why you see dysfunctional families, dysfunctional relationships, dysfunctional bodies, because those three minds aren't in balance with mm. each other. And, um, yeah, if your heart mind is distorted and, and like one thing people can have are like these little energy walls they create. We call them in healing, we call them heart walls. You can have a mind wall. It's when you have something painful uh, and you want to no. sort of close down that energy. You build a little wall. It's an energetic wall. But if you build too many of them, it means your heart center will be closed down mm. and you'll, you'll try hard, but it will be dull. Oh, and ironically, there. ironically, it often leads to actual heart trouble. Yeah. I often yeah. see in people with heart trouble that 
they have uh, certain common issues often to do with um, closeness, intimacy, uh, stuff like that. Uh, you know, for example, starving of love or, or uh, a, a broken heart or something like that. Mm-hmm. Abandonment, betrayal, yeah, all exactly. of these things sit in the heart center. Emotional yeah. stuff, yeah. yeah. I think one key, uh, by the way, I like that model. I like that model with, uh, I was t- thinking, of course, Osiris, Isis and mm-hmm. Horus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. Or Vishnu, Shiva, Brahman. But uh, here's the exactly. thing. As far as emotions go, before they start getting fucked up and... And, and ruin parts of our systems physically or otherwise. For pure emotions, I think trust is a key emotion for the heart in relationship because if there's been betrayal, I mean, I'm not saying go hang yourself, nothing can be done, yeah, but it's going to be hard work because mm-hmm. if, if that's your starting point that you don't have trust, oh my God, even, even if you're neutral in your starting point, Trust is an energy that needs to yeah. permeate the whole thing, even sexually too. If you can have, you know, in, in some work environments, they have this uh, exercise where you're going to uh, throw yourself back and someone else is going to catch you. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the kind of thing. As long as they haven't been drinking at lunchtime, I trust them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a healthy... <laughs> Uh, it, that's kind of a picture sexually that's yeah. what's going on if a woman is going to surrender to you sexually and and let go mm-hmm. accept and let go is the same you have to do in meditation but so a woman can't do that nowadays men have no fathers and they have no male initiation females are forced to be male and female and men, you know, every the masculine ideal is demonized and reduced to Homer Simpson. <laughs> so you have a lot of guys walking around being children, basically, which is why they can't handle it when when uh, uh, there's a breakup. And uh, I'm not in a glass house. I've been through all these issues myself in my life. Work with jealousy, work with inferiority complex. I think it's very basic because if you're going to, as a man, have a healthy relationship, you have to connect with your confidence and your masculine center. Mm-hmm. But you have to have trust in uh, the woman, uh, even if you don't... Uh, know each other if you connect and you're in love and all that stuff you know women have what we call these shit tests right men should start developing them too (laughs) then you know if you can trust them and then let go and wait until you have evidence to start distrusting because nothing will ruin a relationship as much as distrust uh, suspicion uh, control issues, all that stuff has to do with you having to work with your own emotions. So I think trust is super important because then you give each other space automatically. Mm-hmm. And space is also super important. Well, if you don't have trust, you don't really have a relationship, really. Yeah. It, it, how are you going to have a good sex life with someone you don't trust? You can't. I mean, even when you look at real kinky sex, it's all based in trust. Like you were saying, even those the breathing where they like to be choked, that's yeah. actually based in trust. You wouldn't just let anyone do that to you. So any kind of relationship has to be built on trust. And if you don't have trust, then you really need to have a good look at why. Mm. Yeah, but what if there is a reason not to have trust? Well, well yeah, if there's a good reason, then that, that's, uh, that's to be understanded. But if, if you then go on to your next relationship and automatically don't trust you had a bad experience, um, then that might mm. be difficult. And, and sometimes, you know, we, if we expect someone 
to not be trustworthy. Sometimes we can become a self-fulfilling prophecy yep. because we won't realize it, but we might be pushing them away instead of calling them towards us because of our barriers are up. Hello? Hello? Oh, Hello? I, I thought you dropped off there for a moment. No, sorry, yeah. I was just saying, yeah, because your barriers would be up. So you have mm. to... That, that, again, is definitely connected to the heart center, but that can also be connected to the enteric mind and the mind. So if we, it can be based on memories. It can be based on childhood experiences, this lack of trust. And once the trust has gone in your relationship, unless you can get it back, your relationship's going to be over, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think... Um... We should start moving over to your other projects, but okay. um, any conclusions? I mean, we've been a little over the map, but we started with the heart and we ended with the heart. Is there any other advices you want to share before we wrap up this subject? Yeah, well, well, yeah, my greatest advice is that a relationship is going to be a mirror and it's going to mirror back your mm. worst parts and it's going to mirror back your best parts. And if you're not there to do the work, if you're just there to get your rocks off or to have a, a hot dinner or whatever, well, you know, if you can make your relationship last a lifetime doing that, all power to you. But if you want a decent, long-lasting relationship, you've got to be willing to make an effort. You've got to be willing to honestly communicate any issues in your relationship. You've got to do that hard work. And and being aware that, yeah, you're going to be projecting your own insecurities onto the person that you're with. You're going to be projecting any dark things that you're carrying within yourself onto the other person. So if you find yourself having negative relationships over and over again, you want to ask yourself why. What, what is this showing me about myself that I keep bringing this around? And uh, if you do find yourself in, in the positive relationship that you think, oh, yeah, I could try to, you know, to go the course with this one and make it work, then and making sure that you do have that heart-centered connection and making the the honest communicate making the effort to keep the honest communication going and, and keeping things light and fun really bringing it back to yeah, those fun. basics of fun relationships if, if they're not fun anymore then then that's going to be a recipe for disaster people will get bored people will look outside a relationship and that's really how you keep your relationship going for the long haul is you've got to keep things interesting spice it up if it's flagging a little bit Find new ways, keep it interesting, keep yourselves uh, into it, excited, something new every now and again when you can. And uh, also some compassion for yourself and for others. You know, you're never going to be perfect, but to not beat yourself up about it and to just hold on to grudges. Um, I think grudges, as, as well as a lack of trust, are really just like a, a fungus that just eats away mm. at things. So being kind with yourself and others, having some fun, doing the work doing the shadow work, uh, enjoying the ups and uh, trying to work on the downs, basically. Yeah. Well, you said uh, keep the fun, but some relationships don't even start with fun. <laughs> I mean, it's a little character dependent, not uh, 
you know, some people, uh, people are different, basically. But yeah, uh, true. But we all have our own ways of having fun. Yeah, own ways of having right? fun. Yeah, that's maybe, right. maybe talking about accountancy numbers is your idea of yeah, fun. Yeah, exactly. Right? That could be your real turn on. Oh, baby, tell me about what you did at work today. What was those numbers? What did that? Oh, yeah, tell me more, baby. Yeah, Asperger's having sex, <laughs> listing number plates to each other. Yeah. But well, what was that binary code, baby? Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I could see it now. Oh, so hot numbers. Yeah. <laughs> but but what about if uh, in a relationship you catch yourself being attracted to others? Well, I, I think... What's your advice for that situation? I think it's quite normal for humans to be attracted to people. I mean, we're visual creatures. Um, I, I like the look of a beautiful horse. I like the look of a cute doggy. I like the look of a handsome guy. I like the look of an attractive woman. So. Yeah, okay, but sexual attraction to another uh person and your partner well if you're lucky enough and you're into that you might want to see if, if you want to open up three-way <laughs> you might want to open up the relationship you know if you're both finding yourself attracted and you can both be honest enough to even talk about those things so, so, so you believe in open relationships are possible yeah i do mm. i do if they're if they're done again from a place of honesty and integrity why why can't two adults have fun and, and I think uh, I think both parts should be polyamorous by nature. Yeah. Not yeah. Not, not like a, what you call it, uh, cooking. Is that what you call it? Not a cooking scenario where one is having it and the other one <laughs> must yeah. watch. But for, for some a, people, that's their thing, right? That's their yeah, thing. Yeah, maybe. But I think never, like, I don't, for some people, monogamy is going to be what they're into, right? There's some people, they couldn't even dream of going outside their relationship. But for others, that's going to be a thing and that might be healthy. Yeah, but, but, you, but normally that's not what happens. That's like 1% of the population. So... Uh, do you think it's a sign that something is wrong in your own relationship? Uh, I mean, if you, especially if you all the time uh, get I, or, or get even get uh, infatuated with someone. Else. Yeah, well, if it's taking up all your time and all your thoughts, and you're starting to dream or fantasize about that person, and now where you're having sex with your your, your intimate other, and yeah, you're, if you think about her while having sex with your partner, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you, it, it wouldn't be wrong if you did it once or twice as a bit of fun. That wouldn't be wrong. But if it was becoming a thing and you found yourself now connecting to that image of that fantasy of being with that other person, yeah, that's an issue. That That's something you should start to think. If you're not going to get into the swinging scene and, and accept that maybe you both getting a bit bored of the monotony of being with just one person and, and mm. now you might want to explore that. If you can't do that, then that's definitely going to be an issue. It's, especially like, yeah, for some people – complete intimacy and like I'm just for you you're the one I'm the one you shouldn't be thinking about anyone else that can be very important for some people it's not the most prevalent idea yeah I think so. yeah I mean from, that's the norm right that's the norm you shouldn't be just you you and me until the end of days yeah and you should just have blinkers on and not notice anyone else but of course it it's healthy to notice and enjoy and flirt and and admit that you find other things attractive but if you're not sweet, I, I think that. Sorry to interrupt. I think that specific thing is very healthy to let your partner. Part of giving each other space is to let the partner enjoy mm -hmm. 
Uh, for example, if you're a girl, masculine attention. She can bath in masculine attention. Same if you're a man. Uh, if if you that you have the freedom to flirt with other girls as long as you agree upon where is the limit. Mm-hmm. You can't kiss, you can't date, or whatever. That's fine, right? But just yeah. dancing and getting the attention, for example. Or, or just uh, blinking or, or exchanging some, uh, you know, just being a flirting energy is very healthy for a relationship. To go out, get that confirmation for those who need that, or just that play, and to remind yourself that you have options. And yeah, and it can, it can also arouse you. It can, it can bring yeah. some arousal. So even if you're not so far as like swingers, just enjoying a bit of flirtation, being out and about and, and giving mm. each other equal space to enjoy the flirting. Then you come home and enjoy each other. It yep. could just it can really put a spark and, and actually jealousy and control can really be a passion killer yep. for in the bedroom, basically. But but you have to be we talk about it as if it's simple, but the clue is both have to agree that it's an yes. ideal. That it they... has to be consensual between yep. both of you, not one doing it behind the other's back or one doing it and the other one not doing it. Exactly. I'm not trying to hide it yeah. because if you try to hide it, you already imply there's something sinister going on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> it could yeah. be like, oh, honey, you know what happened to me today? No, what? Oh, the bus driver gave me a compliment. Ah, ha, ha, right. But this brings it all back round to the kind, constant and honest communication that I mentioned yeah. right at the beginning of the show. But it applies to all things. You should be sharing. Your partner should be your partner in crime. You should be able to share things with each other. Team, right? Team. Yeah. A team. You're a team. Mm. And that's so important. There's no I in team. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've given them uh, enough advices uh, from our vast, endless bag of experience and insight but let's move on to <laughs> other areas uh, talk about uh, what you're involved in these days okay i mean you're still running your uh, youtube channel you talked about podcasting have you expanded now to podcast platforms we discussed this the last time oh uh, well i haven't exactly done that yet but i am in in the processes of doing that at the moment so um mm. i've been working in collaboration with another woman called starfire tour and on Facebook, just to clarify any confusion with people, my name is Karen Ellington. So you will see people refer to me as Karen Ellington. But that's another long and funny story that I won't go into now. How I ended up with the name Karen Ellington on Facebook. <laughs> it, that's Good not my name, you. but it's being used on Facebook. So if you see me, I, I sometimes... Only suckers use their real name on Facebook, if you ask me. Yeah, exactly. Only a sucker <laughs> does. But um, Karen is so funny, right? Because some people now, I know Karen is a bit of a joke name now in the memes. It's oh. like, oh, Karen. And um, Yeah, but you, you could look like a Karen. That's the I thing. know. That's what's so funny. People that have known me for years now slip up and call me Karen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it's hilarious um, but I, I'm sort of embracing the name at the moment it's sometimes fun to be another name for a bit right oh yeah I mean it's a magical act to change name yeah or to manipulate the name somehow yeah it's a usual ritual but um, Karen is such a trivial alter ego <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rachel could just as well be the fake name, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's funny, the way I got that name was years ago, um, actually, like 2009 or 2010. I remember Facebook was going through that fascist robot stage where 
because um, I was a DJ, I had a, a, a page called Electrocute, because that was my DJ name, Electrocute. Yeah, it's such a great name, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you, yes. And I had a, I had a, my own profile on Facebook under that name. And all my friends from China that were following me were my friends on that page. And then suddenly I got locked out of that account. And uh, the fascist mm. robots sent me a message telling me I had to use my real birth name or they were going to keep me out of my account. Jeez. So in a fit of anger, I took a few of the letters from Electra, the K and the E and, and the A and ah, some of the letters right, they are. Right, right. And I'd been singing um, some jazz. So I, I took the name Ellington. I'd been doing blues and jazz singing in China as well. Nice. So I just whipped the name Ellington because, like, Electra, Ellington. And I just made – I pulled that name out of my ass. Like, I, I don't even know. I was so angry with that flipping Facebook robot. I was just like hey, – hey, hey, I'd like to hear your blues and jazz. <laughs> Is it anywhere? Is it possible to hear it? Um, I, I think I do have some singing videos – on, on okay. online and actually I've done even on Facebook I've I've done recordings and if you look in my videos there's uploads of me to karaoke there's uploads of some shows but yeah you can find I, it I, I, I've done one song yeah I'm going to do ten <laughs> Yeah, I love it. But I'm not a musician, unlike you. But no, Bossa Nova. I think uh, you should uh, do something there. I love that genre. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's nice. Classical Bossa Nova. It's nice. That's a very nice lounge music. And in fact, yeah, in, in China, I did all sorts. I, I was that band in the five-star hotel lobby singing in the wine bar while all the expats and the Chinese business people were having their dinner and drinks. So I did all mm. of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we used to do stuff like take Madonna songs and turn it into a bossa nova. You know, we would do stuff like <laughs> we would take classic songs and remix, make them as lounge music and stuff. Right, right. <laughs> fun times, fun I times. See, see. Anyway, so yeah, I'm known as Pigtail Girl. My real name is Rachel. I'm on Facebook as Karen Ellington. And uh, I'm working with this uh, woman, Starfire Tour from the USA. And she's basically a fascinating uh a reservoir a library of information she's dedicated her life into studying time timeline edits she was the wow. mother of the mandela effect uh, knowledge that we have today oh oh i knew i've heard about her she's the yeah. one who coined that thing yeah she's the woman that brought that information forth. Well, and she has a very special interpretation of it doesn't she what, what's yeah. her explanation can you sum it up shortly yeah, I will try my best. Um, so Starfire Tour, she, when she was very young, I have to give you some backgrounds to understand yep, her, yep. her personality, so where she gets the information from. She, when she was very young, she was already having out-of-body experiences and going into the astral realms quite naturally. Like she just didn't question what she was doing. And um, she met some interdimensional beings that told her that you know, they were related to time. She saw them as time angels. That's the only thing she could uh, explain them as. She okay. doesn't – she says they're not like religious angels, not like in the Bible, like, oh, we are here to, yeah. to do God's work and serve humans. No, she says these are beings. They live in a whole different place. They have their own life. They do their own stuff. But they are interested in the what she calls the core matrix and the timelines – and sometimes they will get involved with matters on other planets uh, if, if they think it's a good cause. They like to see justice and truth. They're very passionate about justice and truth and integrities of the timeline. So this is basically their energy. So she was communicating with these beings. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they were showing her methods and giving her information about this thing they, what she calls the core matrix that controls all the timelines that are occurring simultaneously in this reality that we can't see. See, you know, like a, 
a, a column with loads of like, electricities, which would be different timelines all coming out. Mm. Now, some people know this as the Akashic Records. She said to me, this can also be known as the Akashic Records. That's what spiritual people call it. She calls it the core matrix. It's where all the information, all the timelines, they're all, it's all in their big uh, mechanism. Yeah, in, in Norse uh, mythology, it was the Norns. They were called the Norns. Okay. They were weaving yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And there, there are these entities or angels or interdimensional beings that somehow interact with the timelines and can travel between them. Yeah, or cons in Greek or in Gnosticism. Yeah. yeah, go on. So she had this this teaching, this communication with them, and when she was quite young, um, she learned how to sort of solve mysteries. So I think someone had done something bad to her cat. It started like this. You know, she's a kid. It was really annoying to her. Someone had done something bad to her cat yeah. and she wanted to find out who was guilty and sort of know what was going on. <laughs> so without realising it, she did this kind of uh, what she calls now an astral tag yeah. where she sent out this energy that through the astral plane would tag the truth and reveal it to her. She calls it an astral tag truth reveal. Mm-hmm. And with the help of these these angels, let's just call them that, even though it's not biblical angels, it's a, it's a really an extraterrestrial, it doesn't come from here, it's interdimensional, yeah. would help her with her astral tags and help her find out the truth and showed her this method and how to improve it. And she started to be able to um, solve crimes. So she managed to solve the mystery of her cat, get her justice and her truth. And then she developed this protocol through the years and studied further this uh, uh, core matrix, which you might know as yeah, the Akashic Records, and how it worked. So she started to also be shown about these timeline edits and shifts in the timeline. So she started to gather data from different people because it was interesting to her. She then spent her life researching time, timeline edits. She would interview anyone that she could find who would contact her with any story about missing time, strange glitches in time where one thing in their life was this way and then it was like time had shifted and suddenly like a blue car had turned red or they their house door was green one timeline and suddenly they came back and it's red and they have a clear memory of it being green and sort of documenting this. So this was her work. She was at first interested in these timeline glitches and mm. the uh, what she calls the living dead people, which, sorry, dead again, alive again, Dead again people, which are people when there's a timeline edit, which the core matrix instigates because there was some massive catastrophe about to destroy the planet or hurt the planet. It will edit the timeline, try to reboot it and get rid of the earth ending event or any major catastrophe that's going to destroy life. That's all it's interested in doing is just keeping life going all the time. And so the more timeline edits there are, the more glitches you will have. So people mm. will remember things from other timelines. That's where we get the Mandela effect. Yeah. And why we're getting more of these glitches currently and we're aware of them is because we now have technology to create massive world-ending events on a daily basis if we want to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take long these days to destroy the planet. So um, mm. according to Starfire Tour and her research, these uh, t- world-ending time loops that we keep getting stuck in have been growing recently because of nuclear developments and and chaos on the planet. And that's why in the last 20 years, we now have this sudden surge, what people call the Mandela effect of Mm. these timeline edits. And that's, she's dedicated her life. She's, I don't, I won't say her age. I'm not really sure you don't ask a lady her Mm. age, but um, she's spent a Probably thousands of years, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah great portion of her life developing certain protocols to do with uh, reality shift manifestation which is where you can copy paste and edit things out of other timelines into this timeline 
using similar techniques to the core matrix because we can all interface and interact with the core matrix through our mind because our mind is connected to it. And if we know how to then harness it, we can implement change in reality using certain techniques or protocols. So um, this is who I've been working with. And we're going to be doing a podcast soon. So that's what I'm, tr- I'm trying to work on is ah, getting yeah. her back on the airwaves. It's going to be called something else than what you um, already do. We're going to be doing something called The Time Chronicles. Ah. Our new part- podcast will be called The Time Chronicles. We're going to be talking a lot about time, woo-woo aspects of time, the Mandela effect, um, timeline edits. Nice. This fun- yeah, and we're going to be talking about the missions as well that we're doing on Facebook, which is uh, quite interesting because from her life's work. Oh, so you, you those you do with her? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So we're going to be doing some podcasts first of all with the time chronicles, but um, we've yeah we've also been doing these missions now since the end of 2019 because I've been friends with stuff up some time because I've been a fan of her work personally. It it just resonated with me and her story about the time looping time uh, earth ending events i know to some people sounds crazy but to me it made sense because ever since i was a little girl i have been having the most horrible nightmares since i can remember of this horrible world ending event where everything went up in a nuclear i've had nightmares about that too there was a period everybody had nightmares about it yeah yeah but throughout my life i've had very specific nightmares uh, recurring of certain things and I just felt like it made sense and I remember as a little girl I used to just hear this voice in my head saying this is the last lifetime the earth is ever going to see and I had this negative voice telling me I was going to see the end of the end of the world in my lifetime and uh, and of course I was having these world ending nuclear nightmares (laughs) going on night terrors and now yeah, but that's culture that we yeah. projected it to be nuclear because nowadays yeah. it can be a million different things. Oh, sure. <laughs> and who knows? Like, with this surge, But you when know, you grew up, the nuclear threat was like a big deal, right? Yeah, it was. And mm. like, but you yeah, got CERN. Remember when they turned on CERN? Yeah. They said, oh, this could destroy the entire planet. It's in a black yeah. hole event. Yeah, we're black just going to turn yeah. it on anyway. And don't worry about it. We'll yeah. just think, cross our fingers, right? <laughs> Hope it doesn't destroy us. Yeah, everything is a gamble all the time. And just the fact that they're not protecting us from sun flares. Yeah. You know, all electricity can just be shut down on the Earth overnight. Yeah, or a big asteroid, right? Big yeah. asteroid yeah. can come out of the blue as well. I mean, there's just so many ways. Yeah, but that's that's more like a clean ending. <laughs> it's much worse if we lose electricity all over the world. We will be mad max in a matter of weeks. Oh, People will be cannibals. Anyway, this is a negative uh, sidetrack. By the way, great news about the podcast. Maybe I should invite her on and ask her about all these things. Oh, yeah. And give some attention to the podcast when it. When and you're well now you're starting this up well we're we're hoping to record our first show um like i think on monday tomorrow oh, i'm going to be doing already. another yeah i think on monday well we're going to try to record a show then i've mm. got to edit it and obviously do do the work oh, good luck so i'm trying to start oh my getting god it's the worst yeah well i edit podcasts as well as a, a job it's one of my other jobs you do wow so i mean i'm an intuitive healer I'm a businesswoman. Um, I run these missions and I edit podcasts. That's my job. So I'm a sound engineer. I should have hired you long ago. Damn. <laughs> so other people's podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a lot for the USA. I, I do uh, all nice. kinds of podcasts. And it's very interesting to sit and listen to them as well. Yeah. So I'll oh, be totally. the editing chief, uh, have to get the music and everything, uh, yeah, 
edited. Yeah, that's my uh, daytime job. Oh, you very often guests. <laughs> yeah, so it was your daytime. Wow, you no wonder you're into podcasting. I mean, but that's the thing. I've been doing all this sound engineering work, and yet I haven't actually started my own podcast because. Well, not really. Well, you have YouTube yourself. Yeah, it's a yeah. kind of a podcast. But, but I, I, sh- I can't believe I haven't been podcasting. I guess doing a podcast mm. by yourself in the beginning is probably like I'm just going to sit here and talk to my mic for 30 minutes and I've got to make yeah. it sound interesting to me maybe seemed a little bit yeah. more difficult than talking to a camera and I yeah. don't know Girl, girls are more into cams anyway so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes total sense but uh, no I hear you sister um, for me it was kind of a podcast because I didn't use the camera like you did mm. we we do use video we, we try to stimulate the eye with illustrations and stuff but it's so much easier to do what you do you can just make a video half an hour and bam, you're giving them half an hour work, right? Mm-hmm. We have to, first we do the what we do now, then it's the long editing, then it's the making the video, uh, and the whole process is just, and that's why we, that's why we released your show on the podcast, but not the YouTube, because we're having a bottleneck for YouTube. We have to make videos, right? Mm-hmm. So we probably have like 30 unreleased shows on YouTube. But we've released many of them on the podcast platform because it's just an audio file. So we're just transferring it from my site to there. Yeah, yeah, great, exactly. So, uh, yeah. But the, the wonderful thing about Starfire is you, you barely need to edit her because she speaks so eloquently oh, okay. and so fluently. She's just screaming for a podcast, uh, Starfire. She's just the perfect wow. candidate. So that's why I'm eager to get her up and on the air again hmm. um, after a little hiatus um so yeah so we're, we're doing these podcasts we're doing the groups um we're using her knowledge of this a relationship she built with these interdimensionals and the core matrix akashic records if you would rather and using her protocols because the thing i love about her protocols is they work mm. now me I, i'm i you know i don't mind someone's story or their own experience and metaphors they use how to explain stuff you know akashic records core matrix whatever what mm. i like about her protocols is I've tried them mm. and they work. Mm. We've already proven this. Like we were doing these uh, rainforest missions. So take you back a bit. It all started with the fires that were burning. Mm. And so I contacted her and I said to her, why don't we do some of those astral tag missions you told me about that you used to do or, or some reality manifestations, uh, sorry, reality shift manifestations to bring the rain, because I'd heard she could change weather patterns. So I said, well, let's bring rain to the fires and put them out with these, this rain. You give us the protocol, I'll get the group together and let's do it. Hmm. So uh, we did it for the Amazon, and it's all documented in our Facebook group, uh, the Amazon Rainforest Mission on Facebook. Um, we were, because it's all time-stamped, on a timeline in Facebook. That's why we use their platform. It's as a, a researcher and as a kind of, we do it very clinically, like a scientific data. We bring all the data in. We send out the manifestation where we're going to copy-paste the rain in to those areas, and we're able to pinpoint an area on a map, say we're going to bring the rain focus, and then see the weather map change from you know hour to hour, and then see from an arid, dry season, we can see now a monsoon appearing and coming in so we were able to document this was the day this was the time this was where we focused then this is the rain that we brought in in and remember when the amazon was going through its uh, fires it was in the middle of dry season yeah. they were in the middle of a very arid time there was no rain 
There was no clouds. We had no, all the... No, but, but more, many people don't know that uh, there was more fire in the African rainforest at the same time. Oh, but no. they didn't get any attention. Yeah, but um, unfortunately, we, we couldn't do... Too, the thing with our missions is we can only focus on one thing at a time. So yeah. um, we, ch- we chose the Amazon yeah. at that time to do that. It was uh, the one we chose to do. But it was pretty horrible because yeah. it was basically man-made fire. Yeah, it was terrible. It was ter- yeah. The Congo was on fire. It was just yeah. the whole jungles. Indonesia was on fire. But it, it, because we were such a small group, we had to choose one place and focus on it. And we all decided to do the Amazon rainforest mission. Then we uh, we had a very successful full rain mission, and it was a great group of people gathered there. We only had about 500 warriors of light in the group at the beginning, and we were very focused. And we managed to at least bring the rain to those fires. I mean, we're not gods. You know, we can't do the whole world in one go or whatever. So we had to choose, and we focused on that point. Then after that, we did the Australian rain mission, and we used, uh, again, reality shift manifestation where you basically – copy paste times where there was rain and it sounds crazy right copy paste rain in from another time and put it into this time that's basically what we do and then we bring it and we place it there and also in the australian rain mission it's all documented we had tremendous success we were able to not only bring rain but our mission was to restore the water shed there because they'd had drought for so long their their underground water was dry their their whole water system was just gone and they've been selling water to china even like people have just been removing the water from australia Mm. And, and to, to sell it to other countries. So what we did was we not only brought the rain to put the fires out and were able to pinpoint farms, like specific farms where they had a thousand hectares next to each other and they'd had no rain even though there'd been rain. We were then shown these farms and then we brought rain on those specific farms on those exact locations. And this, again, is all documented. We have it all in our Facebook groups. But these protocols, uh, staff I brought, Fourth, work. Mm. That's the thing. Like mm. I've seen, I'm interested in what works. Like if I see a problem, I want to know what can I do, what works. I don't want to just do a group meditation and then after I'm not sure did it work or not or, mm. or did it get hijacked or did I really do anything. I want something. I'm a bit of a male in that respect. I want something that works. Yeah. I want to know, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to get a result. So we did these rain missions. It proved to the group that these things work and proved to me they work. So we went, we went then on to the coronavirus astral tag mission which was a bit different and we focused on bringing out truth on COVID-19 uh, who's the agenda to weaponize it might you know people that might be connected to it to weaponize it as an agenda the truth of how infectious it was what would be the right medicines to treat it yeah did you know one of the you know it's a mix of different viruses right they have HIV yeah. in there too HIV yeah yeah exactly horrible stuff yeah and definitely definitely not a naturally <laughs> occurring um, event there so that was more of an astral tag mission where we wanted to help the truth come out and that's why it's been such a crazy media circus of just people changing their tunes and weird things coming out and things that you never would have thought would have come out coming out like uh people now pointing the finger at the who for corruption all kinds of stuff's been coming out and that's uh, i would say that we've been doing a lot of astral tagging to bring that truth out in this group and we started at the beginning of the the pandemic we've been doing this this actual tag's been going for a while. No, oh, it was inspired by the pandemic then. Yeah, we set it up the minute the pandemic broke out, me and staff mm. were like, right, this is too confusing. People don't know what's going on, where it's coming from, what's go- you know, everyone there was conspiracy cool. theories everywhere and yeah. we needed some truth because our motto for our groups is truth conquers fear. 
So yeah. we're very much about let's help people find the truth. It's not like we're going to tell people what the truth is. We do missions that will bring the truth into the light so everyone will see it. So you gave the key to the answers. You don't give the answers. You yeah. give the key. No, we can't tell anyone. Like we're in a private group on Facebook. No one's going to see what we're doing in there unless they join the group. Our idea is that we take things so the truth will come out, even if it means someone putting their foot in it themselves. Sometimes the astral tagging works where someone will reveal themselves without realizing it and it, it'll just come out because <laughs> the astral tag is is like a, a tag dart it's yeah. like they can't see it it's like a cut it's lime green the color of the astral tags are lime green and they're like little balls and they stick to the truth like glue and then they spread out throughout the timelines and they search for the truth and once they find it these interdimensional beings that we work with help to bring that truth out they're like the angels of truth they whisper things and and help to for the truth to be revealed basically so there is the there is this interdimensional help that we have. So if that wasn't, if you weren't comfortable with that kind of level of woo-woo, you probably wouldn't be comfortable in our group because we are dealing with no. astral realms, we're dealing with timeline editing, we're dealing with interdimensional beings and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, there is a segment of my listeners who are into that. But mm -hmm. uh, to those who aren't, I can just say that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter because look at it like this. What you guys are doing doesn't hurt anyone. <laughs> No, right. it's, it can't it, hurt. it is fun, and even just to so, join in. So even if people don't believe it's anything going on there, uh, why not? I mean, why not err on the side of trying? <laughs> you see what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, we, we're all we're all like little experimenters in the group, scientists. In you know, fact, this people have always worked like this. During the Second World War, there were people who were doing stuff like this all the time. Yeah, it just and, wasn't and talked about. It wasn't well known. And there's the dark side of the occult, the dark magi. They're, they're doing it nonstop. They're doing their rituals. We, we like the, the good side of that. We like the cavalry for that. But they, they, they work much more through matter, the power, mm. money, mm. corruption. Mm. Yeah. Uh, they don't need to turn to uh, magical arts as much. In fact, they don't have much magical powers, honestly, other than manipulating matter. But but we're really walking down... And brainwashing, brainwashing. Brainwashing, yeah. All the, and and yeah. fear is perfect. Yeah. I mean, voodoo wouldn't work if it wasn't for fear, for example. Well, so, and that actually, sorry, that yeah. actually brings me to the final mission that we're about to launch, mm -hmm. um, that if anyone listening to this would like to come and be a warrior of light in our group it's called operation warriors of light and it's specifically now to target the brainwashing on the planet because mm. uh we've all, we're like a democracy in our group we talk about things we'd like to see dealt with in missions we're now two nearly well about 1650 members of the operation warrior light group and we're gathering there we all have a, a keen passion for truth justice freedom um um Unity, real unity. We understand that divided we fall. So we want to create missions that's going to help cohesion for the planet, to bring truth to the planet, to enable people to see truth. Though you've got to get rid of the brainwashing. Mm. So the next, the next mission that we're taking upon ourselves, never tried before. We're going to use a reality shift manifestation to stop the brainwashing on this planet. I tried to explain it like this. You know the movie They Live, mm. where the people put the glasses on yeah. and they suddenly see the truth. Now imagine if you could give everyone on the planet those simultaneously. The original blue pill. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Imagine giving everyone on the planet a pair of those metaphorical glasses at once. 
So mm. they could no longer be lied to, no longer be brainwashed, and no longer be tricked by deception mm. of, of, of this. Because the brainwashing really is the occult power on this planet that's uh, influencing yeah. behavior. Yeah. And there is an occult energy behind it. You know, there are entities. Yeah, they know. Even the Vatican knew that. Yeah. Um, the to, to to control and influence paradigms are you mm-hmm. usually very very uh, powerful when you want to manifest something oh, so 100%. yeah so so i mean the more people believe something the more energy they give it kind of mm-hmm. to use the magical language so when people are kept in this mental prison, a very narrow overturn window, which we have blown in today by the way both in terms of sexual chat and uh, this uh, mind uh, <laughs> mind blowing chat. So <laughs> both these subjects are uh, pushing the the overtone window that people are being trapped into. They're not, they're especially not let them know their own true nature. You know, they're like the Gnostics want to liberate people, let them realize they're just trapped gods. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, power institutions have always known that. Yeah. If we control the narrative, we get it more our way because obviously the narrative will be whatever they are uh, yes. into. So, so that's a very important part of the liberation. But I also have to add that we need people. Many people go crazy or, or you know, they lose touch with reality and um, get high on stuff. So it's very important to have always keep a scientific basis to anything you do mm-hmm. verify stuff don't just yeah trust otherwise blindly. you will become delusional yeah. if you don't have the right and left brain if you're too right brain the downside of the right brain is delusion delusional yeah. ways of thinking yeah. that take take you into madness yeah and it's a very very thin uh, borderline there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not everybody are able to especially not the new uh, often first time people i mean it doesn't have to be young people you can have like a midlife crisis and go full new age right <laughs> and that's, that's a cliche here how you go oh he goes through his shaman phase yeah then he goes through his healing phase then he's this that all sorts of courses usually they end up at the other side only with a little more yoga flexible body but they come back full circle but then there's those who are always being spiritual Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say probably 30% of the population. I think it's that much to different degree, of course. Not everybody are enlightened, but uh, I think there's a permanent 30% like that. And there's also, there's always uh, between 10 to 30% of something. For example, uh, psychopathological people, same mm-hmm. there. The, I, I don't think it's that high, maybe. 15%. We didn't even talk about psychopathy and relationships, but that's a huge Oh, topic. yeah, that's uh, a whole topic into itself. Many good yeah. advices there. In fact, I'm, I'm considering have on several experts to discuss it because I think it's fascinating to discuss the dark aspects of the mind. Yeah. I think it's just as fascinating as discussing, which I have mostly done, the dark aspects of matter. And with that, I mean the 3D outer reality, right? Like corruption and whatnot, mm-hmm. classified space program. But here we talk about the same thing just on a personal level. And that's uh, even more practical. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that uh, we don't have time today, but uh, at least I realize I need to make a show about that. Yeah. 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 So I'd just like to conclude and invite anyone who'd like to experiment and be a part of this research to come and find us on facebook.com slash groups 
slash Operation Warriors of Light. And uh, just mm. come and have a look how we run the group because you'll be amazed. The Starfire Tour actually is incredibly left brain compared to me. I'm far more woo woo than oh, she really? comes across. If, if you hear her talk, you. Interesting. It, that's why, to me, she fascinates me so much because she, uh, I've never met someone so into science who's also so into the paranormal. Oh, that you know that makes a, a great guest of ours. Mm. Can you facilitate that? And I, yeah, uh, she would love that. Toot the horn for your podcast too. Oh yeah, she would. She would love to do that. I'm sure. I will talk to her. I think more people will tune in to to that show because uh, I think she's pretty well known, isn't she? Oh yeah, I first. Uh heard about Starfire on Coast to Coast FM must have been back in 2008 or something when I was living in China. I was living in China back then. Yeah, she's real old school, I I recall. So, yeah, no, but uh, we'll be talking about that off air. Um, Mm -hmm. And just remind us, your YouTube channel? Yeah, my YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash the pursuit of happiness. Um, You will have to put in, when you search the pursuit of happiness or you can even just write it Yahoo, uh, <laughs> Yahoo, <laughs> YouTube.com slash The Pursuit Happiness. I think, I don't know if they put the word channels in between. I'm not really sure of the URL. Yeah, well, they, they can anyway, but just search it on yeah. YouTube. That should work. Yeah. Yeah. And if they want to get in touch with me about healing sessions, my intuitive healing work, they can find my details on my YouTube page, or I can even give you my, my links to put in your description for my uh, Calendly, where I take my bookings for healing sessions and um also if you want to just reach out to me hit me up with an email you can email me at iampigtails at gmail.com if you have some questions or you just want to say hi give me mm. some feedback feel free to contact me and uh yeah all the, all the stalkers you'll attract now <laughs> my pleasingpartners.com uh, website of course you can also go there for some great products you know you know that like i think it's 70 percent of the youtube audience are male Oh, I have so many male subscribers and followers, and it's true. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's true. But I love my men. I've got yeah, not, yeah. I'm not at all <laughs> against some male attention. <laughs> no, no, no. But we have to shape it in there. I forgot to say that when we talked about today. That, that's why I was pitching all the time for the men's sake. I was flirting with my audience. I, I know <laughs> who they are and what they need to hear. No, no. That, I mean, it's probably going to be leveled out with time, but... Um, there is a difference between different kind of audiences. Like if you go to podcast platforms, yes, is, is other sociological features. By the way, what do you think about Joe Rogan moving to? You heard about it? He's going to move fully over yeah. to Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, and I'm there actually, so I don't mind. Spotify. Yeah, I agree. It is starting to get like that though with the media. It starts to get to the point where. It's like, I want to vote, you know, with my money or with my attention. Like, where do I want to be? What do I want to be supporting? But, but it's great that YouTube is challenged because yeah. they have been uh, yeah. behaving yeah. like a spoiled brat. All terrible, time. Mm. terrible. I don't know if you noticed, but remember last time we talked about how YouTube is strangling creators, mm-hmm. right? One yeah. of the new things now, people haven't noticed, but uh, they censor all the likes videos. Mm-hmm. I used to like good videos just so they can come in a list on my channel so my fans could check it out and be inspired. They, they would know they would get good stuff there, but not anymore. And you know why they do this? Of course, they won't admit this, but the reason they have made all like lists secret is this fight they're having mm-hmm. uh, to try to quench listenership for independent media and boost listenership for public media 
I mean, uh, legacy media. So they realized that uh, first they, they buried, the algorithm buries it so that it won't necessarily pop up on, you know, on the right side list of videos and stuff. But the workaround was that people just liked each other's video and that's how they popped up. So now they are like censoring all those lists, basically. And that's another way. Oh. You see how hard it will be to find new stuff you're not already familiar with or people who have yeah. no idea about independent media won't come across it now because you have to have like the specific address to find it that's probably yeah. a way so that they never will have to outright ban us you know overt censorship they can just bury us and that's what they're doing. that's it yeah. and, and a lot of my followers have said they stop receiving the notifications yeah and that sometimes they go to my channel and the videos seem to be gone and they write to me like, oh, is your channel gone? And I'm like, no, when I look, it's it's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, that's why you have to bitch about them hitting the bell. Because what happens is that first they had, I mean, what's the point of subscriptions if they won't get notified, right? Yes. So So they kind of make it harder with this bell thing. Uh, and then they make it so that some people are unsubscribed from the bell and mm -hmm. some get unsubscribed altogether. Yes. And I guess they're just blaming it on glitch. I don't know. There's no rationale. There's no explanation. It just happens. Or it never happens, of course, with CNN and Fox and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so these uh, unfortunate coincidences always err at the side of independent media. <laughs> yes, it's a coinky dink. That's it. And you know, if you go on BitChute and you put your videos on BitChute, I'm sure YouTube pays trolls to go on BitChute and talk down your videos on there. Because when I first put videos on BitChute... Really? Hey, to take down? Because I've tried yeah. to take down... Uh, I'm annoyed with BitChute because I think they go <laughs> bit shit. too far. Did you call it BitChute? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Pun not intended. And they're too, they're too opposite from YouTube. YouTube are too much on the man's side, right? Oh, yeah. But how did you manage uh, to get stuff taken down? Oh, they haven't responded to me. No, I, no, not about taking down. Um, I mean, that when I was posting videos on BitChute, yeah. what would happen was I would just immediately, the minute I put a video up, I'd have a lot of very negative comments telling me horrible oh. things, calling me yes. off like, you look like a tranny, shut up, tranny, go home. Or, oh, yeah, you're just getting too old for it. Or, or just really personal things about my appearance and, and just being really negative about me or telling me, yeah, just trolling me, basically. And I've... I believe that this was YouTube or some other group that didn't want BitChute to take off paying people to become very negative because it got me to the point where I didn't want to post a video because it was so tiring to only get negative comments on a video, whereas on YouTube I was getting positive comments and the odd, you know, the odd nasty comments. It's not, it's not beneath them in any way. Um... I kind of doubt it nonetheless, because remember, these places, especially BitChute, have... Uh, they attract people who are very into, uh, should I say, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. But there will always be a certain segment of those who have like selfish reasons to do it. Like uh, mm, just, and all, they will attract all sorts of outsiders, right? And I think there is a little cruder culture there, especially because yeah, anything goes. Yeah, it certainly is a different vibe. Yeah, it's definitely a different vibe over there. So there could be a lot of misogynists, you know, this uh, men going their own way or incels or whatever they're called. 
Could be some of that stuff going on. It could be. It just seems so orchestrated to me, yeah, though. It seems maybe. so repetitive and orchestrated. Like, I don't know. Hmm. My conspiracy brain was kicking in. I don't know the culture enough to know if it's probable or not. Uh, I should yeah, really I, start checking out BitChute and give them a chance. I don't, I don't hang out on there so much, but I do mirror my channel on there just in case. Oh, you did? Basically, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on BitChute too, The Pursuit of Happiness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, uh, do they accept um, advertisement on BitChute? I haven't got advertising over there. I don't know if you can get advertising. Put on, I haven't even looked into that on BitChute. I just literally, when YouTube started squishing my channel a bit and I felt like I wasn't suddenly getting as many subscribers and views as I had been, yeah. I felt maybe I should mirror myself just in case yeah. on another platform. So that's why I did No, I'll, I'll do the same. I, I kind of done it with the podcast, but it, it, it ain't enough. No, I have to. I have to do it. It's like... <laughs> It's like not having a, a backup copy of your computer. <coughs> yes. Extreme sport, yeah. really. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Okay, I think we've reached the end of the line for, for this time today, then. But, okay, um, well, thank you for having me. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And uh, I'm looking forward to having your friend on next. Yeah, well, I will certainly link you guys up. Mm. And good luck with the projects. Go get them. Thank you. It's certainly fun and interesting. It's like the sex life, you know, even when you're on your spiritual pursuit, you have to keep it interesting. Yeah. I want to learn new things. I want to have mm. new experiences. I want to know what it is to be a wizard, sure. uh, a good wizard, like the Gandalf type. <laughs> <laughs> that type or, of wizard. Or Gandalf, as in my case, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why have we been given these gifts to be the alchemist mm. or the magician if we're not to use them in some way to create something good you know isn't that even tantras to me is about beauty me personally making things more beautiful mm. beautifying the planet my environment why why not if, if we have some special skills and they and gifts and they work why shouldn't we try to use them mm. amen to that sister <laughs> okay see you around baby all right my darling all the best yep. take care now and you Ciao. bye so far today as usual, I'll end with a quote, but first, let me say, do remember to subscribe. We are having many more viewers than subscribers. It's as if people have stopped subscribing these days after YouTube uh, screwed up everything with a new algorithm. So please subscribe and click the bell. It really helps uh, us to have as many subscribers as possible. Very important in, in, in this field. Without many subscribers, you'll get nowhere. And this also goes for our new podcast channel that many people don't even know we have. Check us out. iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever they're all called. Uh, you'll find us anywhere and subscribe there too. We need many more subscribers there. And now... It's a pleasure to tickle you with the winged words of the outstanding poet Khalil Gibran, where he offers some very timeless and valid perspectives on love and relationship. When love beckons to you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. And when his wings enfold you, yield to him. Though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you. And when he speaks to you, believe in him. 
though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays waste the garden. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. Even as he is for your growth, so is he for your pruning. Even as he ascends to your height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. Like sheaves of corn he gathers you unto himself, he treasures you to make you naked, he sifts you to free you from your husks, he grinds you to whiteness, he kneads you until you are pliant, and then he assigns you to his sacred fire, that you may become sacred bread for God's sacred feast. All these things shall love do unto you, that you may know the secrets of your heart, and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart. But if in your heart you would seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it is better for you that you cover your nakedness and pass out of love's threshing floor into the seasonless world where you shall laugh, but not all your laughter, and weep, but not all of your tears. Love gives naught but itself and takes naught but from itself. Love possesses not, nor would it be possessed, for love is sufficient unto love. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather, I am in the heart of God. And think not you can direct the course of love, for love, if it finds you worthy, directs your course. Love has no other desire but to fulfill itself. But if you love and must needs have desires, let these be your desires. To melt and be like a running brook that sings its melody to the night. To know the pain of too much tenderness. To be wounded by your own understanding of love. And to bleed willingly and joyfully. To wake at dawn with a winged heart and give thanks for another day of loving to rest at the noon hour and meditate love's ecstasy, to return home at eventide with gratitude, and then to sleep with a prayer for the beloved in your heart and a song of praise upon your lips. You were born together, and together you shall be forevermore. You shall be together when the white wings of death scatter your days. I, you shall be together even in the silent memory of God. But let there be spaces in your togetherness, and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Fill each other's cup, but drink not from one cup. Give one another of your bread, but eat not from the same loaf. Sing and dance together and be joyous, but let each one of you be alone. Even as the strings of a lute are alone, though they quiver with the same music, 
Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping, for only the hand of life can contain your hearts, and stand together, yet not too near together, for the pillars of the temple stand apart, and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. This concludes our show today. As ever, thanks to your support and my team, I've been your host, Al. Sincerely signing off. Be seeing you. Number one.